Now more than 3,450 children have been killed. Staggeringly, this number rises significantly every single day. Gaza has become a graveyard for children. It's a living hell for everyone else. On average, 420 children in Gaza have been reportedly killed or injured every day. 420. Obviously, a ceasefire. If we had a ceasefire for 72 hours, that would mean a thousand children don't have to, um, you know, bear bear the brunt of mortars or, or shelling. That would mean a thousand children in in 72 hours would would be safe again. And that, to us, to UNICEF, is all a ceasefire means. It simply means we would keep innocent children safe. We have 130 premature infants that are dependent on incubators. Um, of which 61% approximately are in the north. These require water and electricity to keep them alive. We have 50,000 pregnant women with an average of 180-plus births a day. We have 350,000 people with non-communicable diseases, that's diabetes, heart diseases, cancer, others, um, thousand patients in need of, of uh, kidney dialysis. The fuel is not just a luxury commodity uh, for fancy cars to drive around. It's, he- it's vital for the water supply. It's vital for the ambulances. It's vital um, for, for the hospitals to operate and many other uh, instances for, to make the life in, in Gaza a little bit lighter in that uh, ongoing humanitarian mm. catastrophe. Some of these... Uh, buildings where people are sheltering, many families crammed together are coming under attack and are being bombed. So it's hard to find words to, to, to describe the horror from first fleeing uh, a home that may have been bombed out completely, seeking shelter to family members who are themselves already uh, wit's end and then being bombed again and again, and perhaps again. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. First, let me know that you can hear me in the chat, seeing as how I, <laughs> I'm trying to avoid literally every show dragging you into all of the anomalies that I'm dealing with. Let me know. You can hear me. I might have to restart the show and you guys can just hang tight seeing as how I can't hear anything on my end right now. And since we're, I'm waiting to hear from you guys to let me know you can hear me. I'm going to go ahead and let you know, assuming you can hear me that it looks like rumble is censoring our stream today. Uh, I I kind of expected this. Okay. It looks like you guys can hear me. That's good. So I, I really don't know what's going on. I can't hear anything from my end. I, and I, I checked before I tried to refresh. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just getting a little bit. It's kind of hilarious to me how interesting all of these things start piling on the moment we're seemingly hyper-focused on a certain topic. But Rumble, if you guys can also check for me, we'll just get into it today to show you it looks like is not being allowed to play. I don't know why. It, was, it seems to be telling people it's set to private. I even closed the stream and restarted the stream twice. 
So I started three different streams and each one has the same problem. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but we have a, a really important topic to talk about today. Of course, the the most egregiously obvious war crime that's been committed, I think, in the longest since I've been doing this work, at least in the conversation of Israel, Palestine, the, the, the refugee camp that was just bombed, the information around it. Again, it's nothing new than what we've already been seeing. Everybody literally, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. Almost every single person that I can see with any kind of standing or authority other than in governments that are completely tied to Israel or overtaken by them politically are standing up and saying this is absolutely beyond the pale. Anything we've ever seen, this is horrifying, this is genocide, this must stop. Not, I mean, and it's, it's just, it's overwhelming. And, and arguments that were somehow now to take, we're supposed to accept at face value that now despite any other conversation in history around war and since, you know, the civilized times, if you, whatever you want to call it, that it's always been the civilians are protected in any circumstance, which is why these rules of law, rules of war, wherever, you know, Geneva Convention specifically, things like this were created. Collective punishment was created so you could not just attack an area and say, well, they're in the way, or, well, we were going after the bad guy, or we're going to hurt them in order to hurt the bad guy, which is all of what's happening today. And yet now they're making the argument on the air, even with CNN and even people like Wolf Blitzer having a tough time swallowing this argument. So you knew they were there and, and, they, and they, they just try to skip the question. It's, it's obscene. And it shows you that these people that have been pushing the idea of a rules-based international order, of the idea that they're spreading freedom and fighting for democracy, couldn't, I mean, saying they couldn't care less about it doesn't even do it justice. The kind of person that can scream at you about being a better person and then go out and actively do the worst things in crimes against humanity need to be exposed for what they are and need to be immediately removed from power. These are the people that are acting like they're fighting the very thing that they embody with everything that they do. And it's horrifying. And I'm talking about many of the Western governments that are actively, rather the people in control of them acting like what's going on right now at the very least is undefined. And we're still waiting to figure out, or we need our extra assessments. It's very clear what's going on per the United Nations, per Oxfam, per UNICEF, per Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, Beth Selim, everybody. It's mind blowing. Today, we're going to go over the refugee camp bombing and a whole bunch of other misinformation that's already being spread and how obvious it is that we know that they know that they're lying. And that they see that the people trying to defend this, like the classic, the Ben Shapiro's of the world, are losing their own audience to maintain this narrative. I mean, and you'll, you'll interestingly note that someone like Alex Bernison, for example, has been oddly quiet about this topic, I think, since about the 28th, maybe very quickly realizing that it wasn't working and his audience was aware that this was completely illogical. And, and, and now we just, well, we'll just go back to the COVID stuff that seems to get us the attention that we want. It's interesting to me. And a lot of people that have been very, very absent, you know, I'm not expecting everybody to jump into every topic, but it's interesting to see the people that have talked about these kinds in the past, weirdly pointing in other directions or large creators that have yet to even mention this story who generally talk about everything that's going on. It's unreal how this topic has exposed everything. And it, it's been used to try to divide people and it really has. But I think more than ever, it's shown you who within these false arbitrary lines that were drawn through COVID were not really there. 
who were only doing so to sidle up next to people that cared about what was going on to maybe influence it, to drive it into the ground, as we always know happens. And they have exposed their hand. This is not just about Israel or just about Zionism or just about Palestine. It's about people that have always tried to be tried to influence the direction of of people that truly care any movement out there that has been built by grassroots you know by a grassroots movement that really wants change almost always gets co-opted by people that want to abuse it for their own benefit more likely though that want to make sure that you don't change what is keeping their pockets lined or something much more sinister but i open with the clip from the United Nations, but it's also from a bunch of different groups. And, the, and it gets into the reality of the situation, the babies in incubators, you know, a real version of that. And, and elderly people on ventilators, people that can't just move and should they need to are risking dying. And so what we're talking about today is, is how they have continued to target these locations. And you get people that try to pre- present themselves as journalists and objective people acting like, what are they supposed to do? Well, what are they supposed to do? What do you want the babies in the incubators to do or the people in ventilators to do? Are they supposed to just die so you can bomb a location? I mean, it doesn't, everything about the situation is exposing that they don't care and never have about any of the things they're presenting. So let's get into this to start in general with the, oh, well, first I'll show you the clip that we opened with here. This was from United Nations, Geneva. It's not just the refugee agency, right? And even though we'll get into the kind of ridiculous people out there trying to pretend that the UN is compromised by Hamas, which anything's possible, but that's not even what Israel's claiming. So people are just desperate to make this narrative. But first, before we get into that, I still wanted to make sure, let's check on this and see if this is working. Okay, it does look like it's working, so thank God. I was very, very worried about that. But so I don't know what's going on with this or why it took all the way up until we just got started. But I'm start and I did I did tag them. So maybe there's a reason, but we'll see what happens going forward. I'll look back. But before it started, this is what we were seeing. The video is private restricted. I had to start three or two other streams to check it out. And it was saying right up until I started waiting for upload video to storage. I don't even know what that means or why that makes sense. And it still said one percent. And then all of a sudden, I guess it just started. That doesn't seem. Who knows? One of those glitches, I guess. But to start off, I wanted to make a point about something that I think is important before we get into the opening point, which is going to be predominantly about the same thing today. But I wanted to make sure, kind of taking off that same point about the opening information about what's going on in, in occupied Palestine. Wherever you stand on, on who you think is in, you know just, or whether you realize that all governments are usually not and the people are suffering regardless, think about something important in this, that we're dealing with an occupier. Regardless of whether you think it's justified or not, an occupier, an illegal occupier, and the occupied. Now, that is technically part of Israel. Illegally so, but that's part of Israel. That's not its own area. As much as they like to play that game where in its own sense, it's its own thing, but yet then, you know, so that way it's their fault. But then when all of a sudden you want it to be, you're, we're in control and we have to keep it safe and we have to, it's, it, the point is under, under the law, they're supposed to be maintaining the safety of the civilians at the very least. So the interesting part about this is it's obvious that they're in the wrong legally, and yet people are still supporting it. And even more so when you stand back and recognize that the government's pretending to be those things, like the governments of the United States and the government of and most of the Western governments acting like they're fighting for freedom are very clearly authoritarian today, very clearly oligarchs. And so what we have to realize is throughout history, 
as far back as you want to look. And we know this because we've looked at it, but we don't see the same thing in the mirror when we're looking through a partisan lens. Every single despotic authoritarian regime throughout history has framed itself as the righteous one. In fact, the one God sent, right? The God send. You're here to do God's will. Interesting, right? We hear the same thing for politicians more and more these days from U.S. politicians about, you know, Christianity guiding them, God being, you know, doing things. And, and most of them could care less about it, quite frankly. That's my opinion, but I think we can prove that. But realize that, not to say that this proves anything about whether they are today, but realize that just because they say we're doing this because of God or we're doing this because we're fighting for our people or because we're the right side fighting evil, that has been the standing statement of every authoritarian regime that I can look at through history. Every authoritarian power has always stood up and claimed the right to be fighting evil as good. They, all of them. So we have to think about that, and we're seeing the exact same thing today. I think that's a really important point. Now, I wanted to make some things in regard to, or make some points in regard to medical freedom and some things you'll want to see. I wanted to make sure you guys saw, as I said, thank God, we will like, uh, well, that, that Autumn... Hope's daughter is now out of the hospital, back at home, not out of the, uh, the, the out of the fire yet, seeing as how the hospital, weirdly enough, won't seem to leave them alone, even though they've already proven that they were lying, proven that they tried to lie about her, tried to take her child away, proved that they were lying and didn't happen, but now using it, uh, different, diff different mechanisms has, has transferred to home care using insurance and so on. And now they just, and they're not involved anymore, but they won't stop calling and asking. I think they're very aware that she has every right and every standing to, I don't sue them, take action, hold them accountable. But the point is, thank God she is out of the hospital. If you don't know what story we're getting into here, I've recently interviewed Hope. Palms loading. Here we go. Uh, I called it protecting autumn, a story of medical tyranny and a mother's fight for her child. It's a heart-wrenching story, and it will blow your mind to know what was happening here and how they, they're knowingly lying. And as I, as I wrote in the, in, the, in the opening paragraph, apparently she's being persecuted for caring too much about her daughter. They're so used to these passive parents that just let them do whatever they say they need to, and she worked at the hospital that they took her to. She knew. She knows what she's talking about. And turns out now that they got her home and somebody else gets to look at her, guess what? Turns out all the things they did were the reason things bad were happening and on, just like we expected. You know, and there's a reason they're terrified of what she might do about that. But the point is, thank God she's out. So we'll, and we will probably follow up with her, and it's up to really Autumn if, or up to Hope if she really wants to, but I think we plan on it to follow up on what happens and hopefully nothing bad. And a shout out to Kimberly Overton for connecting this and, and continuing to fight for her. Grab this real quick so you guys can see that. Now, I also want to point out, we are, Icey uh, points out, if Denny Rancourt's numbers are correct and the COVID-19 vaccines are actually killing one person for every 800 shots, which I argue is not that far-fetched, then I calculate that they've killed 1,500 plus Israelis so far. And this is the reason that he's making this point. That's just in, just in Israel. Ten times as many as Hamas. Where's the outrage over that? Where's the outrage over Israelis being practically used as guinea pigs? Well, the truth is they're outraged. This is what the you know, Western media loves to pretend like we're there in a whole other. Israelis were fuming about what he allowed Pfizer to do. Many of them. Whole, I, I would argue the majority. And now even more so because they believe that they allowed this to happen. We're part of this. We're, you know, in any number of levels, 
at the very least, that they very clearly propped up, funded Hamas, and it's his fault. That's really interesting. But so the, his point is here that we have another example of something we know that they did, which we can prove is killing people. That should be another important focus in the conversation. He writes, before the Hamas attack, progress was being made on unraveling the global COVID-19 crime and getting at the per perpetrators responsible. Now people have split along predictable partisan lines. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that exactly, but splits for sure. I don't, he says, I don't think people quite understand. We are dealing with a ruthless death cult that will stop at literally nothing. Now, I definitely do see the outlines and overlaps of a lot of the same globalist agendas, the same Great Reset. I'm not trying to say that I don't think that's what's happening. I just, for some reason, my gut tells me that this is not because of that. That in no way means that, ev that they won't use every single aspect of what's going on to benefit that agenda. I just, it just whether or not I think that this was like executed to that end, I somehow don't think that. But I'm not saying I know that, just my feeling. But we should not ignore that. We should ask that question more than any today because never let a good crisis go to waste is constantly, this is a classic mantra for people as, you know, Rahm Emanuel. That's where it comes from. So this comes, and, well, before that, but stated publicly. And we have to realize now that they will do that. But this is interesting because we can see that this has destroyed a lot of momentum people had in regard to exposing the real culprits behind a lot of stuff. Whether it's COVID, Ukraine lies, I mean, you can tie this to pretty much everything we're talking about today. But Ben Swan also points out something else in regard to what Peter, Dr. Peter McCullough said. Someone else just got me a hard time again about that. I'm not the only one. It's not about whether, <laughs> give me a hard time about conflating, I guess that's what they said, Peter McCullough and, and uh, Dr. Joseph Mercola. It's just speaking quickly. Mercola McCola, McCola McCola. They sound very similar. So that's why I typically use their first name whenever I can. Even Joseph Mercola made a joke about it when we were interviewing. Anyway, the point is, it's not like I'm conflating these names. I'm very aware of who they are. 540,000 Americans died directly from the COVID vaccine. Much more than COVID itself, claims Dr. Peter McCola. The CDC says 1.2 million have died from COVID, but he says those numbers are inflated, assuming that's even actually what was there or even was there at all. It's 10% of that. So roughly 120,000 Americans died directly of COVID, he says. 540,000 vaccine deaths versus 120,000. That's pretty powerful. Now, I, I take his word very seriously. This man knows what he's talking about. So I think that's very interesting to think about. Now, we've talked about this a lot, just realizing that as we're looking elsewhere right now, a lot of this stuff is being proven. This is not hypothesis. We're very, well, I mean, to some degree, we're using mathematical deduction, but the idea is that we are proving and have proven that these things killed a lot of people, if not more than anything they ever said they were pointing at, especially for, I think, provably more when we get into the PCR conflation, the idea of the very liberal numbers and from and with COVID, the whole, the, every single illusion it's actually childishly stupid when you really stand back and look at how many things, just because they happened intermittently and different and not immediately connected, like now looking back on the whole thing. I mean, they lied about everything. Like literally every single part of the story they got caught lying about. And we are like, well, we did. We were dealing with incomplete information. No, you weren't. You really weren't. We saw it and we had the information right from the beginning. The information you hid from us for attempted to for 75 years I mean, again, even then we know that the information they tried to hide was something they literally were like, let us hold it back for 75 years. I mean, just think about how stupid that is. I just, I saw some people just don't want to hear it, but hopefully we see some accountability here. Now, this one is alarming. And it's, again, it lines up with the same thing we've been talking about that we've been proving. 
the excess death everywhere high vaccination rates were given. This is the, this is from the Wall Street Journal. Death rate for babies in America rose for the first time in 20 years. It's not hard to wrap your mind around and see what that's being caused by. But nobody wants to see it. Now, one other thing I want to show you, and I'll get in, I plan on getting into this in a future show, is that well, ultimately we already talked about the AI Bill of Rights, the AI Artificial Intelligence Bill of Rights, which was October 2022. We did a show on this. It's terrifying what they're really trying to build here. But we, we recently see, this is from the 30th of October, President Biden issues executive order on safe, secure, and trustworthy artificial intelligence. And we all know where this seems to be going. And if you read in this, it's terrifying the kind of stuff they're talking about in regard to, I mean, I, my opinion, the biggest aspect of this is driving us into both the digital ID direction, but also creating the paradigm where they can undermine literally anything but also fake literally anything at the same time. So it ends up, they literally become the arbiters of AI truth when you think about it, right? And so this is the point about what she's saying here. As they're rolling this stuff out, when people around the world cannot discern fact from fiction because of a flood of AI-enabled myths and disinformation, I ask, is that not existential for democracy? It's like, wow, she must just see it coming, right? You realize the technology's been there for this for a long time. We talked about this on AM Wake Up. My point was, this the, you can you have apps right now where you can make deep fakes that are damn near impossible to see to tell whether it's fake or not we know the level the high level stuff from intelligence my god i mean you could there's the we talked about the uh what's it called the something engine there's videos right now that are impossible to tell so my question was well, why hasn't anything happened yet why hasn't there been a, a video about somebody they say look what he did i mean just trolls alone might do something like that but yet we haven't seen that and now they're going, it's what happens when this comes? And it's like, okay, what do you think? Do you think they're going priming us for something that is going to happen? Is that just they, like event 201? Like they just happen to know? I mean, we can't be this naive. My point is the reason we haven't seen that big high thing with this happen because it's always state actors that carry this out. And I mean, Western state actors. And we use this stuff to blame it on everybody else. I'm not saying that other countries aren't capable of it. But my point is, when this kind of development, narrative development begins, it's because this is being set up. Problem, reaction, solution. That's what this is always really about. The problem they're pointing at, well, the solution they have in the wings, but that's because they've already created this. They've already created this. The problem was created so they could present the solution. What we're staring at here is what I predict will be the next election where we're flooded with stuff just like that. Both things that are real they call fake and things that are fake that they pretend are real. It's going to be wild. But again, why hasn't it happened yet? I think it's because it's being held back. My personal opinion. But more will come on this. Now, I'm going to start today on this again with a little bit of reiteration, just quickly. Because I want to make sure, with, there's two things I want to reiterate today again, because I just think they're that important for the average person that may not see this. I know you guys that are here every day, you guys see this stuff. But the, we get new people every day on this show. So there's points that I want to go over again in regard to October 7th, but also just in general about how we can prove with very little effort that they are not trying to avoid civilians. One, one obvious point is the Guardian again, and this is on the 10th of October, but they've reiterated this many times. Emphasis is on damage, not accuracy. That's directly from the Israeli military. That alone debunks the entire idea that they're somehow only targeting Hamas. It's childish. But you see, we're already past that narrative. 
because they have admitted that they're killing civilians if they're around Hamas. So that's hilarious in its own right, in a macabre way, because in the beginning it was, no, no, they're not killing civilians, you conspiracy theorists. They're making sure that they target only Hamas. And, and you know, there may be some fringe casualties. Well, now we're going to kill 400 civilians to get one Hamas, Hamas commander. It's worth it because, well, they were there. It's some human shields, whatever the narrative is. So it's interesting how that already contradicts what they pretended was happening until they showed you it wasn't happening anymore, meaning it never was. But emphasis on damage, not accuracy is enough. That's it. End of story. They're lying and we know it. And so does The Guardian. So does Biden. So does everybody. These are all just also liars. But we also have Amnesty International. On the 20th of October, damning evidence of war crimes as Israeli attacks wipe out entire families. Now, I went over this in the show. Read this. This is wildly powerful. It is un- it's despicable. They're proving with their own investigation as a leading human rights group, not only are they indiscriminately bombing, in many cases, deliberately targeting only civilians. That's what they find. And in, in no way are they taking any effort to avoid anything other. They're just indiscriminately bombing. And they go over hospitals. They go over refugee camps. They go over markets. And every single one of them, they admit that they're Israeli war crimes. For 16 years, this says, Israel's illegal blockade has made Gaza the world's biggest open-air prison. The international community must act now to prevent it from becoming a giant graveyard. That is the Amnesty International Secretary General. It's just despicable. Now, I included a single tweet like this if you want to share just the tweet to get people to see it. And even though I really I really think Twitter's new version like this, it, it diminishes reach. I really know. I really believe that. But it says, our, and this is directly from Amnesty International. Our research points to damning evidence of war crimes in Israel's bombing campaign. They documented unlawful Israeli attacks, including indiscriminate attacks, which caused mass civilian casualties, as well as, as we go through this, directed targeting of civilians, which I'm not going to, you can find it for yourself. I went over it an entire show. I just want to include it again so we know this. This is not up for debate. Now, here's the cradle. And a couple other clips just to again show us what the general sentiment is, and not of every Israeli or every Jew, but of specifically Zionist Israelis that are rabid, frothing at the mouth, trying to kill every Palestinian. That's not my opinion. That is what they are telling you here. And this has been shared all around. This is not just the cradle. This was on corporate media. And there's all sorts of discussions about it. This is mother of Israeli soldier tells Euro News that the only innocents in Gaza are the Israeli prisoners and that the only prisoners are that once the prisoners are released, Israel will kill everyone. Think about that. And I, I, Sam Hussein, he made a point about this. And I, I'm not saying that I don't ever want to even appear to be rationalizing something that I think challenges what, what is moral, what is what human rights or what is international law, just because I think like inconsistent, because you can always find a rationale. And it's, but my point in saying that is that what he makes is just a, ra- a point, not that he's saying this, but just kind of showing you a, ba- a point about this is that, that during in um, it was I think it was with Iraq. There's an example at where he gave up a bunch of hostages at the, at the behest of the international community and then was killed. Right. And then was attacked. And the point was that, well, look, there's a, there's an argument to be made why Hamas would hold them, knowing that once they get rid of them, they're going to bomb. But the interesting argument, though, is they're already bombing. They're already indiscriminately bombing everywhere. Not literally everywhere, but indiscriminately. They don't know where the hostages are. So it's very clear to me that they don't even care about them. 
It's, that's, it's a point that I'm going to make a lot today that I've made many times before. I argue that they want these people to die so that can be used for the agenda. And that's the Zionist thing. And that's Hannibal Directive. We've talked about this. We'll get into it on the seventh part. That's not my opinion. That's a documented directive, but we've seen it play out. Now, this is a, what she's telling you is not just her opinion. It's a very widely spread concept, but that she's telling you not only are they going to kill them all, that means innocent people too. The same innocent people that Israel keeps pretending they want to keep safe but also that once they get rid of the hostages, that they'll do it then. So that just shows you that it's about killing them, not about the hostages. I think that's important. The only innocent people that are in Gaza now are the 200. Yeah, so see, I can't hear this right now. I'm not sure why. I don't want to try to refresh it. I'm just going to tough it out for today. It'll, it'll minimize my ability to comment on it. That'll probably ha- make some people happy. But if you can't hear the clip, make sure you let me know right away. Well, I, I can't tell if it's playing or not. 29 hostage that were taken. Once they will go back to Israel, we will bomb Shifa Hospital, all the hospitals, all the tunnels and kill them all. It's about time. The world knows that. There's no argue about that. We are the center of the world now. All hospitals. Since I could read the read the read the subtitles, I mean that that's why would that even be a logical argument? Because every one of these people, including the children in the incubators, to them are bad. I mean, there's really no way to misunderstand that. They're very aware that there's children there. They're very aware that there are women there. So, by deductive logic, to them, they're all terrorists. I mean, this is this is racism. Right. This is the disgusting bottom of the barrel type of bigotry that they all pretend they're fighting everywhere else. But weirdly enough, their chief ally right alongside Saudi Arabia, weirdly. Right. Is I mean, how can we not tell that these people don't believe what they're saying? I mean, God, my God, Saudi Arabia is one of the most obvious authoritarian despotic regimes in the planet. And it's right alongside Israel as their chief allies. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about Qatar or UAE or any of these groups. Like, it's so ridiculous that they are some of their chief allies, but they act like they're the good ones while they fight the people that are provably at least light years ahead of, in, in regard to trying to be better at the very least. But, I mean, we, it's, it's so obvious to me that this is something that they lie about, that they put forward. They pretend, as Caitlin Johnstone says, they pretend to be good because they know we want that from them. But they're not. That's provable. And I actually have a point about Saudi Arabia we'll end with because I made this point the other day how he was sit- I was blinking sitting next to one of their representatives and he was acting like he cared about civilian lives. And maybe he did. But what's hilarious is that you have examples of Mohammed bin Salman literally saying he wants children to shiver when they hear the name Saudi Arabia as he kills more children. And it's just so they and, th- and my point is now he's supporting what they're doing. So just it's all kind of hollow to me. But here's another example. Right. Another one of these concerts. Right. They're all singing out, having a good time. He's wearing an Israeli flag as a cape, which, quite frankly, I always find disrespectful for any flag. But he says, who doesn't have water, food, or light? And they go, Gaza! They're having a carnival there in Gaza. Who will live in tents? Gaza! They're all cheering. It's a great time. As, as they're screaming, children are being murdered. That's Think about this, guys. Again, see, here's what's happening today. You got a bunch of people like your Ben Ben Shapiro's and Eli David's and even David Rubin's out there who are sharing little, you know, here's a clip of 14 people with Palestinian flags. They're all terrorists or Nazis, you know, just broad stroking literally entire ethnicities because they're ridiculous. 
So my point is I can show you this and be like, this is what every Israeli thinks. But so you see, that would be really, really dumb. And I wouldn't do that because it's dumb. And that's what dumb people do is dumb things. <laughs> it's probably funny. But the point is, obviously, an honest person who doesn't have hate in their heart can recognize that these people have hate for Gaza, have hate for these Palestinians. And even then, I can argue that many of them could be manipulated by Israeli Zionist government. But my point is, not every Israeli or every Jew feels this way. It just makes me so angry that people that, it, in other circumstances, I might regard as objective and, and, and analytical, that we can just so plainly see that they're compromised in whatever you want to take that as. And that doesn't have to mean that they're paid or they're, I just think that they, whatever it is, the situation has compromised their objectivity in regard to Israel. And it's so blatantly obvious. And Dan Cohen points out, Zionists are enjoying the sight of dead Palestinians being removed by a bulldozer. Israel, and he, he argues Israel's this century's Nazi Germany. So here, they're cheering on the idea, and you can see them down here. Finally, the IDF has taken out the garbage in Gaza. Give him a hand. As you see this disgusting body with a burned arm sticking out, they dump them somewhere. Now, what's interesting, by the way, as we get into some of the things I want to talk about in regard to fake misinfor- misinformation, fake news, take note of what this looks like. Now, I apologize. A little, it's graphic. But it's, it's an arm that looks burned. So just prepare yourselves. I just want you to take a look at it. Okay, with the skin burned and so on. It's a hand. Okay, remember that. And I'll come back to it. Now, we're going to go through some other stuff that I think is ridiculously, obviously false. And I think it's already been proven to be false. Now, this guy's been sharing some of the most egregiously, like at the very least, stuff that you can, there's no way you could verify. Like, I, I, this is one thing I keep seeing. That I'm not going to say I can know for sure. Like, this one, I will. But the other, like, they show you an image of a bloody bed. Okay, well, I don't know what that means. I don't know who made that bloody, if it's even real, or if that was a Hamas member that you killed in that bed. The point is that they show you these things. Here's a bed, and here's a bloody hand, and here's a piece of string, and they go, this is what they're doing. You want more proof? And I'm just thinking, okay, well, it, it doesn't prove anything. And it's beginning to feel like a, like a constant thing where there isn't anything that you're going to, it's all stuff that we can't verify. That's kind of the running thread here. Meanwhile, you have the entire world that can see on endless display the unparalleled suffering that's happening in Gaza. So all I'm saying in that regard is that you can prove it, is what I mean. So what we get is this kind of stuff. Warning, disturbing. These are the, he, he claims, these are the murdered Israeli children. There's a lot of these arguments about children, but you realize even their numbers coming from Haaretz and their investigations have all, and this is in regard to people that have died, understand. They, at best, there is 14 of seven and up. Now, remember, the, my point in that is we're talking about, and I shouldn't say at best, that was a horrible choice of words, but my point is that the amount they're claiming does not even remotely add up with the investigations being conducted by people in Israel. The whole idea of the 40 beheaded child, like babies, well, based on their assessment, there wasn't any babies. There was only seven to nine, I think, and whatever the numbers were and up. But my point is that I'm questioning at this point the evidence about whether there's any children that were killed by Hamas or in who are being held as prisoners. I'm not saying that means it's not true. What I'm saying is we should all demand evidence, especially at a time like this. And I think it's I think what we're beginning to see is a whole bunch like and again, let's not forget the the 40 beheaded babies argument, which has been clearly debunked or any number that have followed that have continued to be shown false. The chemical weapon argument. These are laughably false things. So we have to recognize that we're being lied to. It doesn't mean that no, nothing bad happened. But on top of that, we have the overlapping dynamic where it's now being proven that to some degree, 
or has been proven to some degree, IDF killed their own people on the 7th. That's not up for debate. They've admitted this. Helicopter pilots, people that were there, members that, people that were at the concert, people that live in Kibbutz Be'eri, on the record saying they shot hostages. Some of them even going, well, it was a hard choice. But So the bottom line is, they're not saying any of that. Everybody that died, they're saying Hamas killed them. And in their logic, they made us shoot them, so it's Hamas's fault. That's what's happening right now, isn't it? They're saying it's all Hamas's fault? Well, what's the different logic? So realize that there's a whole big mess around this that makes it hard to understand, what even, even if these are real, whether or not it was IDF that killed them. But my point is, they're showing you a bunch of these random teeth. They were tortured, and then he claims, these are children, first of all, which you can prove, by the way, that these are not children-sized teeth. This is ridiculous. But it says they were tortured, dismembered, and then burned to death. That's the thing they keep saying, even though the only thing we've yet proven is that they showed us a bunch of burned Hamas members in their dumpster that then deleted that because we knew it was false. They claimed it was children first. Chuck Costello deleted it. Then you have the IDF member that came out and posted all these things. Or excuse me, it was the UN ambassador as it was, I think, Max Blumenthal that checked the QR code. And then he deleted those off the QR code. It's just round and round. So I'm beginning to question the entire narrative, but I mean, we can't prove that there was a whole bunch of people, both Kamas as well as their own hostages that were killed by tank and hellfire missile that were burned to death in their cars that were not because of Hamas. Archaeologists are sifting through the rubble to find their teeth. Archaeologists? What is it? Is it Egyptian tomb? Like what, this, this would not be archaeologists, guys. These would be forensics. So it's a weird thing for him to say, but here's the point. Where have I seen this before? Doesn't this seem familiar, oddly familiar? Well, it should, because we've gone through this. Hey, all right. All right, we're back. Anyways, every, see, everything shut down. My God, we just got kicked. Everything just crashed. Not my computer. Hold on, let me turn this back on so it doesn't look like you're watching Apple TV behind me. God. I mean, this is getting ridiculous, guys. This is getting ridiculous. We, I've never... In my entire career, had this much stuff. We've had things happen. We've had things happen. You guys have been here. <laughs> my God. But, you know, I, I'm taking precautions for things just like this, which I shouldn't have to. It shouldn't be this common for stuff like this to happen. <laughs> just give me a second. It won't take that long. I, I've, I've, I've been taking precautions for things just like this. So too bad, guys. Whoever's out there hoping that this doesn't work. Too bad. All right. Had this saved. See, now one thing that would be very frustrating is if I had things highlighted, that would be lost as well as other programs and so on. But I think we're good. So too bad for them. 
barely missed it. Barely missed a beat right there. Too bad, guys. Too bad. So let's get right back to it. Where have you seen this before? Do you remember? Oh my God, it just happened again. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It, the same exact thing. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I, I mean, I just am completely blown away by this, guys. Hold on a second. I mean, if I didn't, if, if I didn't have this completely set up in a way that I, I would have once would have screwed this show up. Okay, check this out. I don't know. How, I'm going to do this really quickly. Man, they really don't want you to see this article. Hold on a second. Wow. That is that is something special right there. Okay, this is absolutely unbelievable to me right now. So here's what we're going to do, because apparently, no matter what I do, if I try to open this article, whether through a, another link or something, it doesn't, it crashes everything. No matter what. I, I almost, <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. Because I'm, I'm determined to make you see this, because here, look at that. My God. Wow. Okay, well, really quickly, and then I'll bring it back to the other page. Remember this? <laughs> Russian torture chamber with bucket of pulled out teeth and gold fillings where people were buried alive is uncovered in newly liberated Ukrainian town. Which, by the way, was completely, thoroughly, and utterly debunked. This turned out to be, according to dentists, this turned out to be something that somebody verified who was local. Who said those are not... What he's claiming they are, this is from my, it's bottom line is this is a false story. It turned out they made up the entire thing and all of this was completely props. The, the fake gold teeth, it was a complete illusory concept. So now let's get back to it. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, I kind of think this is going to happen again. We'll have to wait and see. Let me get back to it. Do my best. 
All right. So, <clears throat> as I was saying, where have we seen this before? Well, it's the exact same story. I mean, it's the same thing. The torture, dismembered, burned to death, and we, all we have is their teeth left. But when you ask an expert, a dentist here, and, I, and I've double-checked this with other people, uh, dentists, people that know better, people, you know, it says those are not children's teeth, which I, first thing I picked out, infants, that's not even teeth. In fact, he says that's not even teeth. <clears throat> that is actually bridge and porcelain crowns. I mean, look, you can literally see it, guys, which, by the way, those would burn. I mean, these would burn for the most part, or at the very least melt or so if they were in, because these are not just, it's not like pure porcelain. The point is that these things in general would not be, they're trying to claim these are teeth that were the remains that were left. He says, kids are not even given either of those things. Children's teeth are large in width and have very small roots. These are fake adult teeth. Burnt teeth don't look like that, by the way. Think about that. I mean, it's just so blatant, the kind of stuff we're seeing. And this guy is the Israeli government spokesman. Big surprise. So we still, you still with me? We still here? <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm a little blown away by what just happened. Really, yeah. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to figure out, as always, how that could have possibly been something other than censorship. I just am very, very strange. Different browser. I mean, I'm not going to waste too much time on it, but that no matter what I did, it would shut it down. Oh, that's right. So now these are going to have to load again. <sighs> just bear with me. I think after a couple things, we should be back on the track, but I just don't want every page to have to wait as we come to it. So hold on. We'll get to ones after that, I guess. <laughs> You know, you just got to laugh, man. I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? This is this is the world we live in now. This is welcome to the Great Reset, kind of build back better, technocratic world. Now, on other things we've talked about, this, I mean, this, this is, this should be one of the most embarrassing things they've ever done. This is ridiculous. It, it's not for debate. This was a proven false story. They printed out something that was the cover of a book. We, we, pro we proved it in the show, as many others did. It's printed in English saying, saying this is, and he says in the interview, this is literal. like he's saying this is not a prop. This is it. This is Al-Qaeda issue that they went in with chemical weapons instructions because that makes, like, they don't even think this is how stupid they think you are in the West. That's what that means, that you're not going to go, why would they bring instructions? Are they going to impromptu make chemical weapons? Like it's really, really stupid. But well, I'm, I think we're yet to see why. I think they're going to be using something, in my opinion. They're going to blame on Hamas. That's what I would argue. But I'm not here. And then we have this as well, where this was this image, according to multiple, I did more than one multiple times on these AI or not, you know, M, uh, websites, which are, as far as I could tell, my experience has been pretty accurate. Like I've, ch I've, I've picked out and tested it. And, and my point, as we remember, it was shown to be artificial intelligence. And, then, and by the way, we've yet to prove any of these other than images people have floated around and some of them have already been deleted, right? Well, now we have this one, which by the way, has already been removed from Twitter, which doesn't make any sense to me seeing as how one, this image is still here. And there are some of the most grotesque things I've seen in my life that have never been taken down from Twitter. So if, I, I, as much as I know there's a lot being like, my stuff on Twitter seems to be okay, but I see 
this stuff being down, suppressed, removed. And it's very clear to me what side Twitter is taking in all this. That's my opinion. When I say that, though, I find it very weird that they would remove this, even though all we're talking about is like, I mean, look, that arm is no different than this one. So why is Dan Cohen's picture still up? I find it very telling that they would delete Israel's picture, almost kind of leaning into their idea that that's why we can't show you because they would delete it. Well, that's not true. There's stuff all over Twitter right now that seem some, I mean, really heads completely blown open children that I'm like, why is anybody even sharing that? Like, I mean, I get it to a degree. People need to know what's happening, but just it's hard. But my point is, oh, I did have it right there too. So my point in this was first, it says viewer discretion. And it's the same stuff. It's, it's, it's what is this image? Now, again, graphic, but I believe this is a false image personally. What does that prove to anybody? In fact, it actually, it lends credence to some of the other arguments from the October 7th discussion that they don't probably think we recognize. But just seeing that image doesn't do anybody any justice other than they, they'll fill in the blanks for you. Zip ties and electrical cords used to tie victims before they were murdered. Well, who actually did that? Right, we have evidence that Hamas was told they, that people saw them do that. Then we also have evidence of them telling us that IDF bombed locations where they were holding people. So it makes a lot more sense to realize, oh, look at how he's burned up. Well, why? What? What evidence do we have that Hamas was burning people, and what would be the logic of that? Well, they're maniacs. Well, that is not something that usually flies. Assad just likes to kill children. Well, they've lied to us about that their entire career, and he doesn't actually. And we can prove that he's been framed more than once. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to commit crimes. I think every government's capable of that. But we know for a fact that they lied many times about why he would do that. So it's the same kind of thing here. You can't just be like, they're just maniacs. That's well, very rarely the case. So now we have images we can't verify. It says below are just a few of the horrific images documenting the brutality of October 7th. Yeah, I frankly, I agree. But it may just be the brutality of people that we are not talking about. But Citizen Journalist points out, can you guys not let a day go past without lying? You just assume that people are that stupid that they'll shallow your that they will swallow your propaganda without question. Now he claims the fake image. Now I, I I haven't been able to prove this. I've asked certain people, but I I feel the same. When you look at this, it feels false for a lot of reasons. But I'll let you guys decide for yourself. My point is, let's just pretend for sake of conversation that it is real. What does it ultimately show you? It shows you somebody's hands that were bound and somebody who was burned. Well, that then in the, and on top of that. That's why I want you to think about this one. Isn't that like the exact same kind of look we're talking about? Aren't they telling us these are ID, these are Hamas members? Well, you know why that begins to make sense? Because they bombed places with Hamas members in them and hostages. Hostages that may have been bound. And then they show you those bound pictures and say, look at what Hamas did. I mean, but this is, by the way, proven in some examples. Whether or not some of these were done by Hamas or not, well, that's still being debated. But we have to be very clear about this. As they enjoy the sight of these things, realize, and as they already have told you, and as they already continue to bomb where those hostages are right now, it's very clear that they don't care about their lives. Now, here is Naftali again. Remember, this is the guy who publicly and even Twitter and everybody, even fact check articles for crying out loud, caught this. He posted saying, we bombed the Ali hospital because Hamas was there. Then deleted it. Then posted, Hamas did this. It's that stupid. That's that obvious. So he points this out. This 10-year-old Jewish girl murdered by Hamas terrorists. Tell me more about Hamas not killing civilians. Okay, a bunch of barely visible images of something we can't verify. 
from somebody who has literally already been caught lying. I don't know why people think this means anything. I'm not trying to say that we know for sure one thing didn't did or not happen, but showing you stuff like this, especially from people that have already been lying to you, does not constitute evidence. We need something like my, again, comparing it to what we're watching happen over here. It's not hard to see that these things are happening in Gaza. What we need is an investigation, an independent investigation. And even then, I'm going to be very skeptical about who's involved and what happens. But my point is, the way that they're confront, presenting this, it's beginning to feel very obvious that they're continuing to try to make you think something happened that did not. And I don't mean that as entirely what happened with the seven didn't, but that there's very clear evidence they were involved. And I think that's showing more and more. Now, I also want to make sure we hear this again. And this is Sam Tripoli shared this. This is insanity, false flags all the time, every time. Remember, Avi Shalom and, and many others, by the way, have talked about the reality of what the Zionist origins were really like. And we've talked about the Lehigh Party. They called themselves terrorists. With the, uh, what's his name? Ezrin, the guy who was the IDF member that was saying we need to kill all of them, execute them all, remove the, like, that. He was a, 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 one of the oldest, or I think the oldest reservist, and he was a member of the Lehigh Party, a party that literally twice tried to align themselves with Nazi Germany. And then once with Stalin, all this is easily proven. You can literally look it up on Wikipedia. I've done an entire show on it. So my point is we need to realize that the Zionist entities were trying to manipulate as Torah Judaism tells us the Jews using Zion, using their own religion. That's what Zionism created. And they have played pretty much everyone, it seems. But here is a highly respected British historian, British Israeli historian who is letting you telling you the history from his own experience and his family and friends he knows that were from the, what he calls the Zionist underground and how they bombed Jews in Iraq in order to justify what they wanted. So we're not going to consider that possibly happening today. Oh yeah, I forgot my videos got removed. Hold on. Jews were convinced that Israel had a hand in uprooting them. After the 1948 war, there was mounting popular hostility towards the Jews in Iraq. Five bombs exploded in Jewish sites. The series of bombs created a panic which led more and more Jews to register to leave the country. I met an elderly friend of my mother's, uh, an Iraqi Jew called Yaakov Karkukli, who had been in the Zionist underground. One member of his group, Yosef Basri, a very, very intelligent uh, Jewish lawyer, and his assistant, Shalom Saleh Shalom, were responsible for three out of the five bombs. Basri's controller was an Israeli intelligence officer named Max Binet, who was based in Tehran. It's important. It's important to understand the historical reality. Now, as I said, and, th and this is in regard to another claim, here is Hens Mazig, another person who has been sharing a lot, a lot of unverifiable information or claims that are proof because Israel said them. And he says here, Jewish schools in Paris, and we, I've been hearing a lot of this, are a lot of places. Now, look, to be very clear, I'm not suggesting that there are not people that are bigoted towards Jew, Jews in particular. In fact, I think there's a lot of it, and a lot of it, in my opinion, is because of the Zionist manipulations that have literally manufactured this stuff and driven people to feel that way for their own agenda's benefit. 
But again, that does not mean that there's not just people that hate Jews because they decide to. Same way you have people that just hate black people or hate Indian people or hate people or white people just because they hate them. That's all disgusting and they're all gross. My point is that that's not to, that's not to say that we haven't already proven throughout history a lot of different times where you've had essentially false flags. I mean, this has been proven by The Guardian, by BBC, by I think one was, uh, I forget what American outlet it was, where there's stories about attacks on, you know, spray paint this on somebody's will, you know, there's an attack on the Jews in this territory. And then it turns out with investigation that it was Jewish members of the school that did it because they were trying to spread the message or, you know, lying for their truth, as it were. Again, that doesn't mean that there's not people that were doing that. What it means is they did it themselves to get that momentum going, to get the agenda going, to get the narrative going, to highlight what their plight was, however you want to look at it. That has happened, and we know that's happened. Now, that's not about just this topic. You could say that with literally any topic, because the point is people always try to make it about how it's like some irrational hate for this group. It's just an objective reality. You can show that there's people in the United States that in the, in the right versus left paradigm that would manufacture the worst thing ever, like the fake kidnapping of Gretchen Whitmer, right? These things that we talk about to, in order to, re- to make their narrative what they believe it is, or just to lie because that's what they do. It's not unique to one group. And people will literally manufacture their own suffering to justify action. You know, th- what it says is Jewish schools in Paris were evacuated today after a bomb threat to blow up 20 Jewish schools in the area. Jewish people are afraid for their lives everywhere. I don't really understand why this is, that, why they feel so hell-bent on making it only about Jews, seeing as how there's not just Jews in Israel. I feel like that's in and of itself racist. What about the non-Jews that are suffering in Israel? Don't you guys care about that? I don't think they do, and that's the point. I'm talking about the Zionists. I don't think they really care about any of them, quite frankly, but like they, the only group they're trying to use in this is the Jews, and so it's ultimately about only them. That's how I would look at this. That's my opinion. But as we know throughout history, as I said here, highly respected British-Israeli historian has some important context to add to this allegation. And that's that Zionists before have used bombings of Jews to, re- to drive their agenda. So why wouldn't they be doing that today? Just a possibility. So on that note, we also have stuff like this happening. Also from the same person, French Jewish woman whose house was spray painted with Jewish star graffiti crying. It's the same hatred I saw as a child. Now, Muzzy points out, have you caught who did it? There have been countless number of incidents where it was found to be members of the Jewish community itself spray painting this kind of stuff, which is true. Very true in some cases. But here's the most interesting part to me. Guys, it's it's a Star of David. When in history have you ever seen people using that as a derogatory, like like people that are doing this as a way to, like it's a, the Nazi symbol is what we hear in the past or something like that. Somebody going around spray painting the Star of David in blue seems like somebody proudly promoting that doesn't it i mean like as far as i can tell when you look at the video it's not on just only the doors of jewish people it seems to be just up and down every street so that's very different to me but i my point is the media will frame this as however like they that it says right here the new graffiti is perceived as a threat to the jewish community well was it was it meant to be that so i guess we're just going to assume i mean this is like saying that they spray painted an american flag on you because you hate america that doesn't make sense to me but let's use it because that's, I mean, again, not to say there's not hatred. We all should know that. Just to point out that people can lie about this does not argue you don't believe that there's this. That's the same thing to say that because we care about Gaza being suffering, that we don't somehow care about the Israelis. That's not true. That's only in your binary world where you, you only care about one type of person. I care about all of it. I also care about the truth. So this does not seem to line up for me. 
And here's an article that you want to read more about it. France opens investigation into despicable anti-Semitic graffiti. Again, how is it anti-Semitic to spray a star of David? That seems like you're promoting Judaism. I think that's very, very strange. But guess what the point is? I, I had it on the way back machine, but the point is, I don't know. Nobody knows who sprayed it. So it's really irresponsible for people to go out of their way to argue that they know this is about hate. Just as likely that it's about promoting the Jewish ideology because they feel it's under attack. I find that very interesting, a choice. But getting into the discussion of the of the uh, Jabalia refugee camp and how egregiously obvious this was. I mean, I think this is one of the most important developments in this, horrifically, because it really shook people out of their complacency, including the corporate media, guys. I'm not saying that they even care. I'm saying that it's becoming near impossible for lifelong propagandists like Wolf Blitzer to just not make a comment about this. Or to, almost he could not digest the reality that you knew that were, there were civilians and you bombed it anyway. You know, weirdly, just like we keep telling you they're doing. This was the first time that they said, yes, we did this. They didn't try to advance, you know, like elude that it was Hamas and not them. They said, yes, we did it. We bombed it. And it was for the commander, only one or maybe two. And it was all okay because, well, Hamas is using human shields. Well, no, it's not actually. Even if they had the, it doesn't. If they had one person, it was the point is you're not supposed under the rules of law, rules of war, under Geneva Convention, under the ideas of why this stuff matters. That is the obvious reason that those are implemented because you could then just disregard human life as they all do anyway. As Sarah Abdallah points out, Israel decimated. This was yesterday. An entire neighborhood of 15 houses in Jabalia, Gaza. At least 100 dead, and I guarantee it's going to go up, pulled from the rubble. This is what Joe Biden, Emmanuel Macron, Justin Trudeau, Rishi Sunak, and Ursula von der Leyen are funding and supporting. It says, we have never encountered bodies so extensively burned and fragmented. Even their bones were burned. Six tons of explosives were thrown at an entire residential block. So think about that in the same context and ask yourself why all of a sudden these are coming out today wherever it was, right? So right as they do something that they know is going to burn people indescribably, we start seeing them post things that have to do with people being burned. I just I think it's very interesting, possibly revealing. She also points out, where's the International Criminal Court? Israel carpet-bombed an entire neighborhood, 15 to 30 houses, and densely packed Jabalia refugee camp, Jabalia, using American bombs. That's important. More than 400 Palestinians killed and wounded so far. I mean, guys, if you could pretend this is self-defense, I don't know why anybody should take you seriously. She also points out six U.S.-made bombs. Well, I guess we already said, but important. Six U.S.-made bombs. That's, that's, this is complicity of your government. We're also going to get into how seemingly every human rights group and directors of human rights for the United Nations and New York or everybody standing up and going horrifying. <clears throat> now, this is Ali uh, Abuna from uh, the Electronic Intifada pointing out he received video from the refugee camp. Just so you guys can get a full picture of what you're looking at here. <laughs> It's just wild. Now, Stephen Dozinger points out something important, showing you how, how much they're towing the line. 
And yes, that is spelled T-O-E-I-N-G because it's like towing a line in the race. A startling admission is buried in the New York Times today. And this was on the 31st. Israeli officials admit they are fine with mass casualties in Gaza. The Israeli officials also cite the dropping of the of atomic bombs on Japan to justify the scale of unexpected death. Yeah, one of the reasons why people like us have always pointed out how horrifyingly wrong that was, especially since we know, remember, that Japan was retreating on every front and they still decided to do it to give a message to Russia. These are the people we're still dealing with. The same mentality, the same leadership or lack thereof. Here's what it says. It became evident to U.S. officials that Israeli leaders believed mass civilian casualties were an acceptable price in the military campaign. And yet they still agree with it. And yet they still support it. They still gaslight you for calling it what it is. These are horrifyingly bad people. Unconscionable is definitely right. That's terrifying. Now, IDF confirms... And we understand, and I'll show you the clip from Wolf Blitzer as well. They confirm the strike. Massive blast. One of the most densely populated. So this is the craziest part to me. So Gaza Strip in and of itself is one of the most densely populated areas on the planet. Majority civilians. This is one of the most densely populated areas within one of the most densely populated areas on the planet. Do you think that's an accident? The Hamas-run Gaza interior claims Israel aircraft dropped six bombs. Israel Defense Forces took responsibility for the strike, saying the blast killed a Hamas official, who at first, they weren't even sure they got him. That was live on the air. I'll show you in a minute. They claimed was one of the leaders of the attack. That's all it takes. How we even prove that? Dozens of deaths reported in Gaza refugee camp. Israel says it killed top commander. Point in all this as you read it is they just don't, it's just blithe. Just just completely casual. It's just, well, we killed them. We killed them. We got what we wanted. A good time. We got, we, you know, success. And any questions, just stepped right over about the people that were killed. And, of course, the corp media wildly downplaying the reality of how many were killed. Here's Reuters. Israel strikes crowded Gaza camp. Says Hamas commander killed. The Israeli military said 11 soldiers were killed fighting Gaza on Tuesday, yesterday. Oh my gosh, 11 were killed. The biggest one-day loss for armed forces since Hamas gunmen. Think about what that says. And these are soldiers, by the way. So these are this is a military target. This is not civilians we're talking about. So they're saying a military target engaged in an unjust war died. So I'm not, I feel no, no concern there, for quite frankly. My point, though, is we're talking about 11. 11 IDF members. And that... They're telling you, is the biggest one-day loss they've had since the 7th. Just compare that to what's been going on in Gaza, which we'll come back to. I think I've got it right here. Or maybe not. It was over here somewhere. (laughs) Jumping ahead. I had a graph I was going to show you, but I'll come back to it. The point is as we see 400 people killed in one bombing, that's happened more than once, hundreds of people day after day after day, Three plus four weeks straight. 11 soldiers yesterday was the most they've had killed. I mean, it's just, this is one of the most one-sided things I've ever seen in my life. Now they've updated this now to say they, the strike killed second leader. I, I mean, how would they even know that? Right? So they bomb this. Then it's in Gaza and they're now dealing with this. 
There's no Israeli IDF. I mean, I guess they could be embedded somehow, but how would they then be able to determine that more than one was killed? I mean, it's just, they just, well, let's just make it two. I, I question whether anybody was even there to begin with. Now here is the UN saying Israel's Jabalia attack may be war crimes. I love that. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's just this feckless, absolutely cowards. As your own people get killed and you're, oh, maybe, maybe crimes. What do you mean maybe crimes? This is one of the most obvious war crimes I've ever seen in my life. The Office of the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights says Israel's attacks on Gaza may be disproportionate attacks. I mean, my God, you absolute coward. But we know that by now through COVID, these people are liars. They don't even care that their own people are getting killed. Well, here is even Wolf Blitzer, a former, this is, it says even Wolf Blitzer, as Dan Cohen writes, a former APAC employee and Jerusalem Post reporter can't figure out how to defend the slaughter of 400 Palestinians in a single attack. Yes, I can. We went. We were focused the again on our target, a senior, senior commander wolf, and we'll be updating uh, you with more data as the hour moves ahead. But even if that uh, uh, Hamas commander was there amidst all those Palestinian refugees who are in that in that Jabalia refugee camp, Israel still went ahead and, and dropped a bomb there, attempting to kill this Hamas. Uh, this Hamas, Hamas commander, knowing that a lot of innocent civilians, men, women, and children, presumably would be killed. Is that what I'm hearing? That's not what you're hearing, Wolf. We, again, he can't even, he can't even honestly answer. I mean, that's verbatim what he said. And then he goes on to say it again, by the way. But you see, they know that what they're doing is grotesque. They just, they either enjoy it, don't care, or, you know, whatever. But the point is, they're actively trying to dance around the point. Literally, what he said is what just happened. But he says, no, that's not what happened. That's not what you're hearing, Wolf. We, again, were focused on this commander. Again, who you'll get more data who this man was. Uh, killed many, many Israelis. Uh, we're doing everything we can. These are, it's a very complicated battle. Okay, so yeah, so you just lied and said no, and then went on to say yes, yes, but it's complicated. So you knew they were there. And you target, because of the commander, you bombed it anyway. It's very simple. But even they can't, ration, can't be honest about that. What, how, you, how do we not see what that shows us? Space, there could be infrastructure there. There could be tunnels there. Oh, there could be. Oh, well, then bomb them all then. Right? There could, there could be stuff we want to get. So kill all the civilians. That's just how war works, Wolf. I mean, guys, the, it, every one of these people are very aware what they're covering up. I can see that he's uncomfortable. Wolf is uncomfortable. That I'm not trying to make him humanize, guys. These people are disgusting. They've been lying about stuff like this their entire careers. But even someone like him can't stomach this. Think about that. Uh, we're still looking into it, and we'll give you more data as the hour moves ahead. But you know that there are a lot of refugees, a lot of innocent civilians men, women, and children in that refugee camp as well, right? This is the tragedy of war, Wolf. I mean, we... Can't say yes, but he, but that was a yes. That's the tra the tragedy of war is, is killing 400 civilians to take out one commander? No, that, that's called being a terrorist. As you know, we've been saying for days, move south. Civilians are not involved with Hamas. Please move south. Okay, so we're talking about a refugee camp. 
a refugee camp where people have fled because they were already bombed in many cases. People that are injured, people that can't move, right? We have, I mean, there's medical thing, medical, like, I guess, triage set up in these situations, right? You have people that literally cannot move. You have people that don't want to move. You guys do not have the legal right to displace them ever, let alone for the third, fourth, fifth time. To argue that they just have to move because you want to bomb something, there's, not, there's no legal justification to that. On top of that, what do they do? They drop leaflets, which most of them don't even see, which even UN and Amnesty International have pointed out. I mean, it's in that Amnesty article I've already covered. They already pointed this out. Even in, They make the very clear point in Amnesty's breakdown. Even if you give them enough time, even if you tell them they should leave, it is still a war crime. It does not matter. Because you're killing 400 innocent people. It's not that hard to understand. My point is then they say, oh, here's a text message. Oh, you mean because the, you mean with the thing with the lack of electricity or no way to charge their phones or the fact that you cut all of the Internet or the fact they put out a message in English throughout the Internet that they don't have. I mean, the bottom line is they clearly do not want these people to move or they want them to get out of the way, but they'd rather just kill them all is what it very clearly seems like to me. The bottom line it doesn't matter whether they gave them an entire week to move. It is still a war crime. But we know that they didn't. And we know that in most cases, people that even could, even wanted to leave can't. And so at the very least, they knew they would kill civilians. And they don't even know for sure, and I argue this person was there. Or I even argue that I wonder whether he even exists in the context of what they're actually going for here. Yeah, I'm just uh, trying to get a little bit more information. More uh, wolf. I mean, we, as you know, we've been... Men, women, and children in that refugee camp as well, right? This is the tragedy of war, Wolf. I mean, we, as you know, we've been saying for days, move south. Civilians are not involved with Hamas. Please move south. Yeah, uh, I'm just uh, trying to get a little we, bit more information. Uh, you knew there were civilians there. You knew there were refugees, all sorts of refugees. But you decided to still drop a bomb on that refugee camp attempting to kill the Hamas commander. By the way, was he killed? Right. So Wolf just is, is reiterating the fact, even though the guy was already ready to shake his head again, even though they already said three times that is what happened. It's just that simple. And guess what he says next? Was he killed? Did you get him? Even though you murdered 400 people, did you get him? I can't confirm yet. I'll, there'll be more uh, updated. He, yes, we know that he was killed. Um, about the civilian. We can't confirm it, but we know he was killed. Ah, something about that doesn't seem like it rings true to me. What do you think? There, we're doing everything we can to minimize. Uh, I'll tell it. I'll see. How are you doing everything you can to minimize? When you bombed a place you knew would kill hundreds of people. That's not doing everything you can. Everything you can would be going in on the ground to try to kill these people and rescue the people. But see, they don't care about these people. And that's the real point. Again, sadly, they are hiding themselves within civilian population. And no one has proven that. Not only has the UN proven historically in the past that they didn't use human shields, maybe they do today. I don't know. But the point is, nobody has proven that. Nobody has yet once. And this is the same point about the amnesty article. The point is that they, that article itself proved in its investigation, the amnesty group proved its own group, its own investigation, that most of these locations had zero evidence of any Hamas member. And then, and the, and the one that they found that they said was a, there was a Hamas, and, and all it was was a person that was a member of Hamas that happened to live in that building, who was there. They still proved then that what they did was not only did they not try to minimize casualties, they bombed in a way that guaranteed they would kill people that weren't even connected to the building. 
I mean, guys, it's just the most simple thing in the world. Everybody is proving this, and all you get is your governments and the the occupying Israeli government manipulating them that are lying for the agenda. Even the UN and even these groups that were moments ago on their side are finding it really difficult to stomach what's happening. Again, we are doing this stage by stage, and we're going to go after every one of these terrorists who was involved in that heinous attack on the 7th of October. Well. Lieutenant Colonel, I'm having trouble hearing you, uh, but let me move on. Oh, I'm sure that's what was happening. He has nothing. This is what it looks like to literally make something like Wolf Blitzer speechless. Think about that. I guarantee you he's having a hard time. Somebody's in his ear, and I'll show you what the next thing is well. I just don't understand how. <laughs> I'm just, I'll, I'll have to play the last part again. He's speechless. Terrorists who was involved in that heinous attack on the 7th of October. Well, Lieutenant Colonel, I'm having trouble hearing you. They're going, move, get out of the way, move on, get past this, move, 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 next story, go. That's what I think is happening. Because we are failing right now. We just, you just exposed ultimately the thing you were probably supposed to cover up. That's what I get from that. But I agree. Even Wolf, even Wolf Blitzer cannot defend how obviously grotesque this was. He censored news, points out something important. Israel just massacred yet another large number of civilians by bombing a crowded refugee camp. CNN, of course, one of the worst of the worst alongside BBC, opens their story by saying Israel was targeting a Hamas commander, as if that statement of fact. Do you realize how gross these people are? Like, yes, that's what they're saying, but they don't know that. I mean, it doesn't say anywhere in there that that was what Israel claimed. Mo, I mean, everybody else has done that. Literally every other article I just looked at, NBC, all of them, they simply they all, they just add, you know, I, so the Israeli government claims. Not CNN. A strike targeting a Hamas commander. They are whitewashing this. They are gaslighting for the liars. Now, my point is, they don't know that. Do you think CNN knows? They took Israel's word for it, like every other thing we've talked about, including the beheaded baby story that they apologized for twice. You think they might have learned their lesson, but you see their lesson is not about... It's about towing lines. And they, I think they just apologized because it was some way to maybe gain back a little bit of lost credibility. Too late. They offer no proof and seems to be simply parroting IDF. That's what they do. Scott Ritter points out, Israel claims that a senior Hamas leader was in the Jabalia refugee camp when it was struck by Hamas or Israel bombs. Israel claims that the deaths of Palestinian refugees in the camp are collateral damage permitted under the law of war. Israel is wrong. Any discussion of collateral damage, however, must answer a threshold legal question whether or not the commander in question was actually inside the camp at the time of the strike. Unless that question can be answered to a reasonable degree of certainty, a bombing operation of the sort carried out by Israel is unlawful, regardless of the level of collateral damage to surrounding persons and objects. That's the first point. Military forces are required to at all times distinguish between the civilian population and combatants and between civilian objects and military objects, and accordingly shall direct their operations only against military objects. The key here is the principle of distinction, a fundamental tenet of the law of armed conflict. Distinction requires that commanders know with reasonable certainty that what they are attacking is legitimate military targets. The point is, they don't care. If they got intel that he might be there, they'll bomb an refugee camp. We've already seen this. A market, a hospital. Or maybe if they don't even care just because they want to get rid of the Palestinians. The point is, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are not meeting what's needed to justify this. I mean, not even if it was a commander, and even if there was only one person there that was a civilian, no matter what. 
Now, David DeCamp points out exactly what you'd expect from the U.S. government. When asked about the casualties, the child casualties in Gaza, the Pentagon says, guess what? There are no limits on how Israel can use the U.S. weapons being shipped over there. We are putting, we are not putting, and this is the same as when they said no red lines. We're not putting any limits on how Israel uses weapons that is provided. How would you think it's possible for them to say something like that when they are very aware of what's going on? They have chosen their side, apparently to the end. I mean, my God, we're, we're, but we're not putting any constraints on that. I mean, just think about that. And then they bomb a refugee camp and kill 400 people with no question. Maybe they're regretting that statement. Maybe not. Well, here is the, uh, this is uh, a university member. Just basically, it looks like, I thought it was a teacher, but it just basically says, keep, this says, Commander of Hamas Central killed. Right? So murdered a whole bunch of innocent people. They got the commander. That's what they're claiming anyway. He says, keep the good news coming. That's, that's, how, that's how you view this from one side of the argument, apparently. It's all good news. Got what we wanted. Who cares about those gross Palestinians, right? That's, that's I mean, it's, it's grotesque what's happening. Well, I'll, I'm going to point this out in two different examples. First of all, the person just simply, in general, with this point and what we're going to point out next, could you just imagine for one second what if Russia did what Israel is doing to Palestinians with Ukraine? Just think about that for a second. Using the exact same logic. Let's say you have Azov members that have kidnapped people, that, or rather the Azov members that are holding Ukrainians hostage that they want to kill. And Russia just bombed everybody in a marketplace. Is it, I mean, that, that is literally, to a T, exactly what they just did. And you know what they would say. Terrorism. Russia's a murderer. Why? Because Russia bad guy. It's just complete, grotesque, on the surface, blatant hypocrisy. It's a double standard. And we know this. It's not hard to understand. The only people that can't wrap their mind around this are liars and very, 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 very unintelligent people. This is very obvious. They are killing people to do what they want, to get to achieve their end. If Russia or Iran or Syria or anybody, I mean, it, look, even if you took a U.S. ally in this conversation and did something with a different population, the world would lose its mind. Because you can't just pretend that you have a person you want to go after so nobody else around the situation matters. It is always a war crime and it always will be. Now, I said this in regard to the similar point around the people we're talking about, right? So they're murdering people with no question. Now, what it's saying here, and the point is that how do they know whether or not there's hostages there? Like, this is a place in Gaza. They don't know where the hostages are being held. So how do we not know that there was, maybe there was hostages in this refugee camp? If their argument is it was a Hamas central area, doesn't that then imply there might be hostages? I don't get why the people that are in Israel don't see that. The ones that support, I mean, there's plenty of them calling this out. But if the argument was it was Hamas central or some kind of Hamas controlled area, then the argument would be that they might have hostages and they just literally dropped six ton bombs on there. So my point was, when they're asking, this came out yesterday, 200 empty beds and cribs in Jerusalem, Jerusalem Square for 200 plus Israeli men, women and children, babies and grandmothers being held hostage. Even though they weirdly all a bunch of children's beds even though they just clearly said it wasn't all children. So it's clearly propaganda. My point was, well, does it matter that Israel has twice refused a hostage exchange? The last one simply asking for water, food, and fuel only for civilians, even allowing the UN to manage it, ensuring none goes to Hamas? Well, of course it does. This shows you they care more about the agenda than the prisoners. It's very simple. 
And I'm going to come back to that and prove it to you yet again with the Washington Post article that makes that clear. But all I added after that was, but they'll sure, sure as hell use the idea of those they've twice refused to rescue to progress the agenda, all by making you think the agenda is about rescuing the prisoner. When in reality, the agenda is what's killing the prisoners as they indiscriminately bomb where they're held. It's pretty damn simple. And then Huzam Zamlat, who is part of the Palestinian Authority or Palestinian Liberation Organization, he says, and he, I played this clip before, and I'm going to reference him again in a minute. He says, the world is failing. I agree with what we just saw and what we've seen this entire time. And, he's, and there's an image of the camp right there. The world is failing humanity. Justifies this mass murder of civilians right live in your cameras. Nothing, nothing justifies the carpet bombing of entire civilian areas. What is happening now could not be justified by any standards. When the world fails, fails to call for a ceasefire, and we hear some Western governments, including the US and the UK, calling for a pause. Pause? Pause for war crimes and crimes against humanity? Really? The world has failed, I tell you. The world has failed yet again. Hmm. I just agree with that. But I'm going to reference him in a minute about, you know, because the discussion about the Palestinian Authority being in charge after they leave, even though this whole time they've been talking about Hamas. Like, it's just such a contradictory comment. But my point is that I find him to be reasonably credible, but I don't trust the Palestinian Authority. Like, that's that's that, that we'll get to that later. But here's Ben Shapiro. Here's his response to what happened there. Right? Even, even a ridiculous war hawk like Piers Morgan. Even he can't stomach this. He says Israel deliberately bombing Gaza's largest refugee camp, even if a Hamas commander was there, is outrageous and indefensible. That's Piers Morgan. I couldn't believe that almost. These are the people that are constantly pro-war. Here's Ben Shapiro one-upping the other the war hawk. And this is just this guy has lost himself in this. Or revealed who he really is. Destroying a Hamas command center, which, by the way, now that's they've already kind of pulled this into being a Hamas commander. So, you know, but the point is, to him, it's whatever they say it is. So now it's a Hamas command center. So my, this is my point in saying that. So doesn't that then argue that there was probably hostages there? Does Ben even care about the hostages? I don't think he does. Even though that's his pinnacle point about, oh, we have hostages or nothing else. Well, then why are you allowing them? To, why are you promoting the indiscriminate bombing? or at the very least bombing anywhere, seeing as how you don't know where they are. That's just blatant stupidity or shilling for an agenda. But it says, destroying Hamas command center after warning all the civilians in the area to get out is, co get out is correct. What do you mean it's correct? It's still a war crime per human rights groups. You don't supersede the very entities like the United Nations that are always been the kind of, according to you previously, who got like, not necessarily Ben specifically, but the conversation, the mainstream conversation. The UN is the international law discussion, right? These Geneva Conventions, the United Nations, the human rights groups, always what they throw at you and it suits their narrative. So these are the very people that are telling you that this was a war crime. Whether or not you warned them, whether or not they're used as human shields, it's still a war crime. That, that's common knowledge before this contortion of reality. But to him, they told him to get out of the way. Okay, what about the babies in incubators? What about the people on ventilators? What about the people, not to say that every one of these exists in every location, but what about the people that couldn't move? People that were bombed, people that had, what about people that were unconscious? They were sitting in these triage tents because you bought, people just got bombed somewhere else. Are you, do you just not care about them or is that acceptable to you, Ben? 
He says, Hamas hides behind civilians. Well, the UN disagree with you, but you can keep screaming things without facts. I thought you were a journalist. Should this grant them immunity? Who is talking about granting anybody immunity? These are, these are false arguments. What they're simply pointing out is civilians were there. So you can't just bomb. His argument is as if you are acting like that's the only possible choice, which is pretty stupid, even for Ben. He says, if so, you have created a massive incentive for them to hide behind civilians. Well, ask Israeli's government. They do it all the time. Many more civilians will die over time. Oh, thanks for the prediction, Ben. Well, clearly you're promoting that. So I guess you're right. Think about how gross this is, man. This, these, people like this should be held accountable for stuff like this. And I don't mean like legally, I mean, because you, you have a right to say whatever you want, but recognize who he is. Don't let it, don't forget. We will show you who they are. Listen to them. Here's another one. If you say that you don't understand the moral difference between one, Hamas murdering babies, raping women and killing them, beheading men and capturing hun- and kidnapping hundreds. Oh, I guess you went, you stopped promoting the baby beheading, right? I mean, now it's beheading men, apparently. It's like, just one of those. So he screamed at you for that. Fact, proven. And now he just quietly doesn't say it anymore. Is that what good journalists do? No. This is a shill for this narrative. But he's saying Hamas murdering babies, which nobody has proven. Raping women, which seems to have been completely debunked right now in the context of what we can prove. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I'm saying what they have already put forward has already been shown to not be the case. The Cradle has written about this. Robert in Lakesh has written about this. Even from the human rights groups level, they're making, they argue that there is not evidence to prove that any of that has happened. Doesn't mean it didn't, but it sure as hell means a real journalist wouldn't be citing this as fact without knowing that. He's citing it because they said that. Israel telling civilians, and then compared that to Israel telling them to leave, killing Hamas members, and hitting civilians because Hamas keeps them there. Think about the overly simplistic, like, that's a willful effort to simplify that down to exactly the only thing that makes you think, even if that was the case, it's still a war crime. That's how dumb this is. So you're telling me Israel is telling them all to leave? Well, Amnesty International disagrees with you. They said there's at least three examples they found where they weren't even warned. Or they went and told one person on the street and then bombed an entire city block. That was per Amnesty International. I guess Ben just missed that in his excellent due diligence. Or killing Hamas members. Okay, well, have you proven that? Did you Do you know they've killed Hamas members? Or are you just reciting what Israel says? Because that's what good journalists do. And hitting civilians because they keep them there. So are you saying the UN members that were in UN protected areas or in their homes with their families were because Hamas? Or are you saying that the hospitals or the the children or the people on ventilators? I mean, this is the most obviously false statement of anything we're talking about. Now, I'm not going to say that there's not examples where Hamas is keeping some people there. Certainly possible. What I am saying is to then just pretend everything in every circumstance of every bomb of the 20, of the endless, almost four week nonstop bombing campaign was only because Hamas kept them there. How could you possibly know that? And by the way, we can prove that's not true. All you need to do is point at the United Nations Refugee Agency, the fact that they now have over 70 people that have been killed, teachers, engineers. How about all the journalists, Ben? You're, you're, you're a pretend journalist. What about all the journalists that are out there? Over 30 plus journalists that have now been killed. Are we pretending Hamas made them go there? Pretty despicable to not even defend people that are in journalism, that are out there as journalists fighting for truth that you clearly don't care about. Just unreal.
Scott Horton points out, as he writes, this creates a catch-22. Well, first of all, the person says, people need to understand how the Arab and Muslim world is, is, is digesting these images. I'd say they've always been against Israel. I don't care, but that's foolish, he writes. Support can shift from being non-existent to very aggressive opposition on a broad scale in a short time. Now, the only point he's making, and this is the Queen of Jordan posted this to 10 million followers, and it's just simply showing you the work. Destruction. His point is that this is, he doesn't mean radicalize as terrorists, but just simply it turns people from mild opponents into very dedicated ones very quickly. It's a pretty, pretty obvious point. Showing people what's happening to them turns them in a, in, it changes their opinion. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. And then he goes, this is a catch-22, <laughs> I guess, because Ben says, if Israel does not defend itself, Israel is destroyed, I guess. Like, you know, all these are based on these suppositions, these, these basic static realities that are just, like, like, his point is that if they don't do it, it's gone forever. It's like, well, that's just not true. The argument is what you presented as, that that's what everyone, everyone around the world is trying to destroy Israel, and if they don't get it, and the point is that you, it's, it's a binary argument. It seems like it's a funny thing for somebody like Ben who constantly destroys things like that. But he says, if Israel does, does defend itself while Hamas hides behind civilians, the media blasts out these images. Well, they should, because first of all, they're not defending themselves while they kill people on the ground that are innocent, especially if you're arguing that because Hamas is there that they're defending themselves. That's an attack, Ben. A response to something, not after four weeks, but a response right away, that's defending yourself, especially if you think they're about to attack. Ongoing round-the-clock bombing of people is very quickly not defending yourself. Either way, all you're simply saying is if they defend themselves while they defend... Well, what do you mean? You can't conflate those two things. What you're saying is that they defend themselves. So if they if they attack is what you're saying. That somehow by not attacking other people that they'll be destroyed? Like it's just this childish argument. So what, he says, precisely is Israel supposed to do? I don't know, not commit war crimes? Not murder innocent people? I can't believe you even asked that question. World opinion will not govern Jewish survival? Right, because all he cares about apparently is the Jewish people in Israel, even though there's other people than Jewish people that live there. Because he's totally a bigot, apparently. Well, as Scott Horton points out, see what a blatant and obvious liar this guy is? He's justifying murdering civilians with total nonsense. Hamas is no more capable of destroying Israel than they could destroy Texas. Hamas is just the worst gang in an Israeli prison camp. Nothing like a credible threat to the state. But that's what happens when you're shilling for something very, very strongly. Now, as Ben is acting like you're a bunch of terrorist, nonsensical liars for pointing this out, guess who doesn't agree with him? The top UN official in New York steps down, citing genocide of Palestinian civilians. I mean, this is in every conversation lately. We see the injection killing people, and you get multiple people that resign from the FDA because they're lying to you. People that resign from every position of authority because they can't believe it's still happening. I mean, ev- people resign. I mean, it's every situation right now. How? Or like, what was the other one? It was the... Somebody, it was the, oh, I can't remember what that was. Somebody resigned in a position about human rights, I think, that was in Ukraine. Same kind of conversation. My point is, a top UN official whose job is about this very, he's director of human rights. He resigns because no, he's, where is everybody? He sees it. Everyone pretends like this isn't happening. This is the guy that would know, right? Well, it's not just him. Here's the resign- resignation letter of, 
uh, what is this? The oh, maybe it's the same one. Vol Vol Volker Turk, High Commissioner for Human Rights at the UN. Yeah, so this is his letter. This will be my last official communication to you as director of the New York office of High Commissioner for Human Rights. I write at a moment of great anguish for the world, including for many of our colleagues. See, he cares about the people being murdered in Israel or in Gaza, occupied Palestine. Once again, he says, we are seeing a genocide unfolding before our eyes and the organization that we serve appears powerless to stop it or rather doesn't care. As someone who has investigated human rights in Palestine since the 1980s, lived in Gaza in UN Human Rights Advisor as 1990s, and carried out several human rights missions to the country before and since. This is deeply personal to him, he says. I also worked in these halls through the genocides against the Tutsis, Bosnian Muslims, and the, the Yazidi, and the uh, Rohingya. All of the, We've covered most of these, at least tangentially, you know, these different historical genocides. In each case, when the dust settled on the horrors that have been perpetrated against defenseless civilian populations, it became painfully clear that we have failed in our duty to meet the imperatives of the prevention of mass atrocities, of protection of the vulnerable, and of accountability for perpetrators. And so it has been with successive waves of murder and persecution against the Palestinians throughout the entire life of the UN. High Commissioner, we are failing again. As a human rights lawyer with more than three decades of experience in the field, I know well that the concept of genocide has been often been subject to political abuse. But the current wholesale slaughter of the Palestinian people rooted in an ethno-nationalist settler colonial ideology in continuation of decades of their systematic persecution and purging based entirely upon their status as Arabs and coupled with explicit statements of intent by leaders in the Israeli government and military leaves no room for doubt or debate. In Gaza, civilian homes, schools, churches, mosques, and medical institutions are wantonly attacked as thousands of civilians are massacred. In the West Bank, including occupied Jerusalem, homes are seized and reassigned based entirely on race, and violent settler pogroms are accompanied by Israeli military units across the land. Apartheid rules. This is the textbook case of genocide. The European ethno-nationalist settler colonial project in Palestine has entered its final phase toward the ex expedited destruction of the last remnants of indigenous Palestinians, Palestinian life in Palestine. What's more, the governments of the United States and the United Kingdom and much of Europe are wholly complicit in this horrific assault. This is going to change the face of the world, guys. It already has. Not only are these governments refusing to meet their treaty obligations to ensure respect for the Geneva Conventions, but they are in fact actively aiming at assault, right? aiming the assault, providing economic and intelligence support, and giving political and diplomatic cover for Israel's atrocities. My God, how do people like Ben act like they're on the right side of history? I don't think they care. The point is, this is obvious. Now, look, guys, it, it, there's, you, there's only a few ways to look at this. Either these governments have never, ever been what they've said they were in, in individual cases or as an entity, whether the U.S. or the U.K. or France or any of it. Or over the years, the Zionist agenda has carefully influenced positions of power, and we are now watching that play out. Or both, for that matter. But we need to see that right this moment, anybody who is not calling this out for what it is is not on the side of history, on the right side of history. They're part of the problem and need to be seen as that. Now, this is the same point, just, and this is a longer version, breaking this stuff down. Textbook case of genocide. Crazy. Now, as I mentioned, on the 31st, 
The United Nations Refugee, Palestinian Refugee Agency points out that just in the last 24 hours, they had another three members killed with ongoing strikes. Guess what? While they were in their homes with their families. Is Ben pretending that these were Hamas members? Does he care? I mean, guys, think about that. These are UN members that are with their families getting targeted. That brought the total to 67 members of the UN agency. 121 Palestinians killed in the West Bank just since October 7th. That's not part, they're not Hamas. That's controlled in Israel proper. We just read it with something like 50 something checkpoints or 100. I mean, unbelievable. And we're going to pretend that you got Hamas running through there? No, these are colonial settlers. These are illegal settlers who are murdering people in the streets. The Guardian mainstream articles have had to cover that. This has lot, they've lost control of this and the world sees it. The best they can do is yell at you and hope you shut up and keep going. But we, I'm doing my absolute best to stop and save anybody I can. To save people. Because right now it's just one after another. One bombing, one family, one child, over and over and over. And interestingly enough, it seems the numbers they're citing in Israel seem to keep going down. I think we'll get to it in a minute. One of these mainstream articles, I think it was Associated Press, was now claiming it was only 1,100. As we now know their numbers, even they reported they could only prove so far 900 of what they put forward. And half of that has been shown to at least be IDF. And then many of those are now being shown to be killed by the IDF. But here's my point. This was on the 31st. One day later. Since October 7th, it's now 70 colleagues have been killed and at least 22 injured. This is the highest number of UN aid workers killed in a conflict in such a short time. Ever. Ever. Does that matter? I mean, I'm not, I'm not some big supporter of the UN. I'm simply pointing out that the United Nations has always been the go-to for Israel, the United States, and everybody else to, as like a cudgel against anybody they don't like. Suddenly, the tide has changed. Suddenly, the UN is the one being killed, and they don't even care. My point, though, is that this is the highest number of UN aid workers killed in any conflict in this short of a time in history, according to the United Nations, and none of these people care. An estimated 1.4 million people are currently displaced. This is an atrocity. And while speaking with the United Nations, of course, about the refugee camp, as I put this, the moment Wolf Blitzer inadvertently reports on the fact that Israel continues to target UN facilities in Gaza. 67, when I wrote this, had been killed. Even the mainstream media having a hard time towing this line. But they're sure trying. My point is, when he's talking about this, she brings that up very quickly. And I guess I, I feel like I see, I see somebody in his ear and they, I don't see how they can pull away from it. So they go forward. But my point is, I do not think that was in per, on, This was about the refugee camp and her opinion on it. Ask yourself why none of these outlets are trying to cover the 70 people of the UN that have been killed. I think we all know why. This seems to be an accident right here. About the breaking news we're following regarding this massive explosive explosion uh, at the uh, Jabalia refugee camp in Gaza. I assume you've heard uh, if any of yeah. your people have been impacted by it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me, Wolf. Look, uh, we are getting exactly the same reports as you are. I was just on the phone with our teams uh, who are down south in, uh, in the Gaza Strip, and they will follow and get us more information, so I don't have much more to say. So that's all. <laughs> that, that's, she has no more information. So clearly, she was very savvy about this, in my opinion, because she's been speaking about this as, as many of the representatives have. 
She goes on under the guise of, I'm going to talk about the refugee camp. And she simply goes, I've got nothing more to add. Now, let me tell you what I wanted to talk about. I think like this, is, I'm, I mean, my opinion seems very clear to me how this is how it went down. And I don't think he was prepared for that. Exactly the same reports as you are. I was just on the phone with our teams uh, who are down south in, uh, in the Gaza Strip. And they will follow and get us more information. So I don't have much more to say. Uh, however, what I can confirm is since last night when UNRWA briefed the UN Security Council, sadly, the number of staff killed has now increased to 67. Which is now 70 with one more day. One more day. 67 UNRWA colleagues. Oops. 67 UNRWA workers who are there in Gaza, they've been, they've been killed in these operations. Is that what you're saying? Just want to be precise. Well, that's literally what she said. So it's not any more precise to just repeat back what she said. I just find that interesting. I don't know. I, that tells me something right there. Much I'm trying to read it. Like So she says, 67 UN workers have been killed in this bombing. And he goes, just to be precise, 67 have been killed in the bombing? <laughs> yeah, man, I just said that. So I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't think this was meant to happen. I know I already said that, but I just, I'm, I find it so fascinating to watch how these people respond when they're so uncomfortable. And they're so obviously with their back against the wall. I, I guarantee he's got multiple people in his ear about how to manage this. They've lost control of it. These operations, is that what you're saying? Just want to be precise. No, exactly. So since the 7th of October, when the war began, 67 UNRWA colleagues have been killed in different circumstances, including some that we were able to confirm today. One UNRWA being the United Nations, Pal the, the UNRWA, which stands for the United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency, not, not the exact acronym, but that's what, that's what it stands for. One of them uh, last night was killed with his eight children and his wife while he was at home. His name was Samir. Look at, look at the way Wolf responds right there. Like, this, this is bothering him. Maybe he does have some sort of a soul in there somewhere. The point is, this wasn't supposed to be aired was killed with his eight children and his wife while he was at home. His name was Samir. If you, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit more about some of the people your organization has now lost, that UNRWA has now lost, what they did, and, and I assume they will all be severely missed. Very much so. Very much so. UNRWA will not be the same without uh, those colleagues. These are mainly teachers and uh, school principals. There were a couple of doctors. There was a psychologist. Um, there were people who were in charge of staff safety, uh, support staff, a few support staff. The, the, they are the backbone, really, of our humanitarian operation. There was one engineer. Um, you know, we have 13,000 people working with UNRWA. We are the largest humanitarian organization in Gaza. We have been there since the early 1950s, but this we've never, ever seen before. My God. Just imagine, as somebody puts in the chat, it's like his world is crumbling around him. I just It's just so disgusting. As they also write... Oh, this is where we're already at. As they also write, Gaza has over 2 million people, half of them children. Gazans are vibrant. Palestinians are vibrant, educated people who aspire to have normal lives, families, children, education, and dreams of a better future. The entire population is being dehumanized. I want you to hear that. 
That is exactly what people like Ben and the rest of them are doing. It's showing just unbridled hatred and bigotry towards an entire people. There's never been a time outside of political fervor where we allow that. All black people are a certain way. All Indian people are a certain way, right? Or unless it's white people, apparently. All it does, that's, that's okay today, but that's my point. There's always these moments, right? During the Russian point, all Russians, it's okay. But any other time we pretend like that's not okay. We can't whitewash or broad stroke an entire group of people because that's racism, right? Well, that's exactly what we're seeing here. All Palestinians are this. They're all animals. Every, nobody's innocent. Every single one. I'll show you some really disgusting examples in a minute. Coming from people that I even even as I see them talk about this topic, I still can't believe they would say something like this. But they are being dehumanized, which is exactly what they've always done. You dehumanize your enemy so it does not matter. This is classic war tactics of, of evil people. Well, here's what I played in the beginning, and I wanted you to hear this. This is from UNICEF, WHO, and UN. Gaza has become a graveyard for children. It's a living hell for everyone else. According to WHO, fuel is vital for water supply, for ambulances, for hospitals. That's why they refuse to allow it in. As they've now said, they'll never allow it in again. But we're going to pretend like they're going to let them come back and the Gaza will be rebuilt. It takes a very special kind of stupid naivety to believe as they're literally showing and telling you that they're not going to let them back to pretend like it's going to come back. That's just like a U.N. ambassador speaking to Biden and people to go, this is what they want. As everybody in Israel is like, never, ever, ever, ever. It's like a two-state solution. They still pretend it's what they want, even though I don't know if a single person in power right now in Israel is pretending that's what they want. It's a complete dis- disconnect from what they're actually saying and what we're told they want. Because... The people in our side and in power are very aware of what's really going on. And all they can do is lie to you. It shows you they don't care about the people. They don't care about a two-state solution. They just care about keeping you in control. But here's what they said. And this is important to hear. Babies and incubators. All the different conferences of people that cannot leave. And as people like Ben and the rest of them are telling you, we told them to get out of the way. Now more than 3,450 children have been killed. Staggeringly, this number rises significantly every single day. Gaza has become a graveyard for children. It's a living hell for everyone else. On average, 420 children in Gaza have been reportedly killed or injured every day. 420. Every single day, 420 children for four weeks straight. Like, how are we even comparing these things anymore? Obviously, a ceasefire, if we had a ceasefire for 72 hours, that would mean a 1,000 children don't have to, um, you know, bear, bear the brunt of mortars or, or shelling. That would mean a 1,000 children in, in 72 hours would, would be safe again. And that, to us, to UNICEF, is all a ceasefire means. It simply means we would keep innocent children safe. We have 130 premature infants that are dependent on incubators. Um, of which 61% approximately are in the north. These require what, again, electricity to keep them alive. We have 50,000 pregnant women with an average of 180-plus births a day. We have 350,000 people with non-communicable diseases. That's diabetes, heart diseases, cancer, others. Um, thousand patients in need of, of uh, kidney dialysis. The fuel is not just a luxury commodity uh, for fancy cars to drive around. It's, he- it's vital 
for the water supply it's vital for the ambulances is vital um, for for the hospitals to operate and many other uh, instances for to make the life in in Gaza a little bit lighter in that uh, ongoing humanitarian mm. catastrophe some of these uh, buildings where people are sheltering many families crammed together are coming under attack and are being bombed so it's hard to find words to, to, to describe the horror from first fleeing uh, a home that may have been bombed out, completely seeking shelter to family members who are themselves already uh, wit's end, and then being bombed again and again and perhaps again. It's just unreal. How, how does anybody pretend like you have the United Nations... UNICEF, WHO, Oxfam, Amnesty International, Human Rights Watch, Beth Selim, everybody, all on the same page about what's happening right now. And yet we're being called conspiracy theorists or racists or terrorists supporting what, I mean, it's just, it's, it's desperation. That's what desperation looks like. Rania makes a really excellent point here that I, I'm, I, I couldn't believe this is real. <clears throat> now, I, I was, this is coming from, I, I, can't, I can't confirm this even actually happened. Something tells me this might even just be like an entire propaganda story. But even that is, is grotesque to me. She points out Western media, with help from the UN, have reached the stage of the genocide where they accuse the desperate brown people being bombed and starved of looting. This is literally an article from, I actually have it right here, this is ABC News, but this was posted by the local version. It just simply says, thousands loot UN aid warehouses in Gaza as death toll tops 8,000. Now, this was one that was highlighted, but the point's the same. As they're simply saying here, the Israeli the what well, it says Israeli military said it struck over 450 targets in the past 24 hours, including Hamas command centers. Or we're told, but it says observe, uh, saying it said more than ground forces were going into Gaza. But it says Thomas White uh, in Gaza for the UN for the UNRWA said the warehouse break-ins were quote a worrying sign that civil order is trying to break down. Now they provide basic services, says in schools across the territory. And they said Israel's allowed only a small trickle to enter in from Egypt, some of which was stored in one of these warehouses. Now, the point is, guys, these people are starving to death. It's undeniable. So to even argue that there was some, like, I don't even know why would any of that would be withheld, first of all. But the idea that it's anybody's other fault other than Israel, that they're desperately trying to do whatever they can to survive, should not be framed as looting. That's just grotesque. But it's simply saying, uh, there's one part that I'd highlighted. Yeah, right here. Uh, it says residents living near the Al-Shiba hospital said airstrikes have been hitting it, which is what we keep telling you is happening as they get closer and closer intentionally. Israel's accusing Hamas of having a secret command center, but without providing much evidence. Of course, tens of thousands of civilians are sheltered there, packed with patients. They just go on to question. In the, and so you can see, this comes from the Associated Press. It's right there, which is then reported by the other major outlets, which is how that works. The point, as you can see right there, or oh, it was on the actual article, the point is that they, everyone sees through this right now. Or at the very least, we can argue that we don't even know. We're being told stuff that we can't prove. They've never framed it like this before. Now, they also point out, and this is what I want to make sure we see, that even the United Nations is now becoming, like, before it's been, uh, we are, we've been bombed, we, this many have been killed. And like, even myself, going, why aren't you naming it? Well, here they are today. The relentless bombardments by the Israeli forces of the Gaza Strip are shocking. The level of destruction is unprecedented. The human tragedy unfolding before us is unbearable. An immediate humanitarian ceasefire is the matter of life and death for millions of people. 
So good for them for calling it out. Now, this person brings us to another point, says something very interesting. Sounds like a good time to release all hostages and surrender. So personal opinion, I think this is a bot farm. This is a IDF bot farm. They all have them. My point is that, like I said, so this is the UN, you absolute fool. I said, or more likely an IDF bot farm. Are you suggesting that the UN is holding hostages or that they're working with Hamas? Either is not even what Israel is claiming. Not like I expect logic or facts to deter you. I just wanted others to know. I mean, think about the framing there. So UN is going, this is terrible. And you, so it's time to do, why are you saying it's the United Nations? Either you're saying that they're holding hostage or they're part of Hamas, which is either way, certainly possible, but stupid, in my opinion, because not even Israel's making that claim. And they're claiming just about everything under the sun. He says, I claim that the moral thing for anyone interested in Palestine lives is demand Hamas to release all hostages. Okay, well, that's not even what we asked. And obviously, this is a sidestep of the question, as I point out. Point being that they, he didn't respond anyway, but he goes forward to ask this, and it's the same point. As he simply says, you mean the word... Anyway, the bottom line was, he keeps trying to sidestep the main point, and finally just refuses to respond, which tells me that... I, I honestly think there's these bot... Like, these camp... They, some of these are real people, but they're, they're for an agenda, and as soon as they realize that it's that they've lost, they just kind of cut, cut loss and move on. My point that ultimately in this is that you can't pretend, as I said, you clumsily skip past the main point, that they're not targeting civilians when you could prove that they're targeting Hamas locations where not even Israel is claiming that Hamas is there. That's why they just skip past it. But I kind of think these statements are just blind regurgitating responses to anything that seems against Israel, not expecting people to really push back. But this brings us back to this point, right? So they're over here saying, release the hostages, right? That's what he's saying here. Time to release all the hostages. Okay. Well, as I said before, doesn't it matter that they've already refused twice to release hostages? That's two times, according to the Washington Post. The last one, as we'll show you in a second, just for asking for food and fuel for civilians, even allowing the UN to be part of it. So Hamas gets nothing. And they said no. And they had said no, even we're going to increase our bombing. So they're bombing where they know all of these children they claim are there, which I don't think are even technically there, but they claim it's a lot of all these children. So you're bombing them then. I just don't get how anybody makes sense of that. It matters because it shows you they only care about the agenda in this case. They'll sure as hell use the idea of those people they've twice refused to take back to progress the agenda. We've already had examples of their own people saying, are you trying to kill us all? Speaking as host- as prisoners in, in Gaza saying, what are you doing, Netanyahu? You, we tr- we, you said, called for a ceasefire. You said no. We called, they called for exchanges and you said no. And you keep bombing us. Like, even they see it. Well, this person simply responds. Again, showing you an interesting thing that I keep wanting to point out. My point's the same. They refuse twice. Why do you, why, so it's contradictory to ask for the hostages as some sort of demand, even though they keep refusing that. And this is where it makes it clear. This person says, exchange innocence for terrorists? Yeah, that'll work. Okay. So here's where this gets super interesting. Explain for me, anybody, where in this dynamic, there's the opportunity for the people that you're claiming you want to come home, right? So they demand us, give us our children back. Okay. And Hamas says, well, here, we'll, we'll exchange them for these people. And they say, no, we don't deal with terrorists or whatever the narrative becomes. Okay. So there's an example of them trying to give them back. Israel refusing. 
Okay. Then they go on to bomb and bomb and bomb. And as they're bombing, they go demanding hostages or we're going to keep bombing. Well, okay, but they already tried to give them back and you refused. So this person is saying, okay, well, we're, because we're not going to deal, we're not going to exchange innocent people and give them back terrorists. Okay, well, I want to, I would love to ask these people. Okay, well, then it, where do you see in this back and forth any of these people coming home? I mean, I think they're inadvertently revealing that they are making sure they don't come home. I mean, tell me where I'm wrong. If the argument is we're not going to give them their terrorists back. So I guess the only way this works out in the mind of these people is that they just, Hamas just gives up one day and goes, stop bombing us. Here's all your people back. Nothing. That's not going to happen, guys. They know that's not going to happen. These are people that are desperate, who have been under colonial apartheid occupation for 75 years, raped, pillaged, murdered, stolen from over and over. So my point is that they are what they're going to last this to the end. So you guys are guaranteeing that the people that are there will never come home, except every time we ask for something to stop, you go, but our hostages, but that's the exact thing that will you keep bombing. I mean, I just, it's this round and round thing and I just can't understand it. That makes me wonder if people like this here are even real because there's plenty of Israelis that are going, give us our people back, call for a ceasefire. In fact, I'll get to you in a minute where they're beating those people up. But again, so we don't forget, here's the Washington Post. This is from the 26th. Reiterating, Hamas was proposing to release all foreign civilian hostages first in exchange for a five-day ceasefire. That's simple. That was it. First part, that's it. We'll give everybody back who is an American, a British person, whatever, as long as as you give us a five-day ceasefire. They refused. So if you're like, why doesn't the American government get mad about that? Because they don't care either. They mean all the four to 600 Americans that are still stuck there. They don't care. In fact, I'll show you a clip in a second about one of them, wherever that was, (laughs) that, that is stuck going, they don't care about me. So that's the first part. All the foreign governments should be outraged that Israel would rather keep bombing and possibly killing those civilians than give them five days. And by the way, if the point was about saving the people, that would be immediately taken up on. Now then it says, Israeli civilian hostages would be released if, specifically Israelis, if additional demands were met, including the release of Palestinian women and children in Israeli prisons and the opening of the Rafah crossing, both of which should have already happened a long time ago. Israel has been holding these people indefinitely, which has always been a crime, for years. That's not, I mean, if if everyone's quibbling about the idea of hostages or illegal detention, or whatever we're calling it. Well, Israel was clearly doing this long before the 7th, and then post the 7th, as even they cite in corporate media, they took 1,200 more from West Bank, from Gaza, from all over the place. So at the very least, they're doing the same thing. So the bottom line is, all they asked for was an exchange. And they said no. More than once. And <clears throat> excuse me. And they, also, they also asked for making sure that the... Where was it? Including the release of Palestinian women and children. And, and so the and, and it says, and so wounded civilians can receive care in Egypt and fuel, food, medicine, water can enter Gaza. Now it says, we are ready to let them all leave. The, and they, they go on to say that when they say, let they, this is the secondary, but let them, let all of them go. The United Nations could distribute the aid, he said, including fuel intended for hospitals to fulfill Israel's demand that no supplies reach Hamas. They gave them everything and they refused. 
I just don't know why we can argue that they care about these people at all. At best, they care about the agenda more. And again, as the example, so Amnesty International simply says ceasefire, not for one side or the other, or one thing's bad and one's good, a ceasefire, which means all of them stop. Because realize even the more dishonest outlets are claiming like the ongoing rockets that do barely any damage is any kind of relation to everything, but they're continuing to fire rockets to some degree. The point is that would stop too in a ceasefire. So everybody would see, but the, but no, they say, give us our children back. Give us our children back. Give us our children back. Okay. The same children that they just refused to take back when offered. Anybody think that's ridiculous? I think we all should. It shows you they don't really want them back. They want to keep using them as the excuse to continue to level this down to a parking lot. Well, Sarah Abdallah used a very important clip here or a, a graph to, to show you. And this is, I mean, this is, this has been backed up by, I mean, this comes directly. I think the original one, this, this has been, the data has been taken and put into a different looking graph. We've shown you the one that comes from official, I think UN sources, as well as another one that shows you the breakdown. I mean, this was Robert cited this as well in one of his articles that comes directly from the United Nations. This shows you the ongoing death count <clears throat> and, and it's unparalleled. So this is just a more vivid version of that, showing you the top, the red being Palestinians and the orange on the bottom being Israelis. Now, if you're confused and you can't even see the orange, there's a reason for that. It's there. Trust me, it's there. But it's painful to look at. And this did not just start on the 7th. Just it's the most egregious. Well over 3,000 children alone, children. But if you look at every year, 2014, almost zero compared to well over 500 children. This is just children, guys. 2019, 1999, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004. Every single year. 2000 looks like not, uh, 10, especially almost five, almost 300 looking children. It, this is grotesque. So again, when they ask for their children back, it just doesn't seem in any sense like they care about either side's children, quite frankly. But it's not just children or civilians. It's every part of this as we keep trying to show you. Medics, journalists, Dan Cohen points out media talking heads still pretend it's a war against Hamas while Israel bombs hospitals, exterminates doctors and nurses along with their families or UN members along with their families. Another tragedy, Tariq Abu Abed, one of the most skilled OR nurses and one of a very few cardiac perfusionists in Gaza who I worked with was skilled along with his family and as a result of the occupation forces airstrike shortly after he left the Shifa hospital. Right, so get out of the hospital and they bomb everywhere else too. It's just very, very sad. As well as the fact that even The Lancet just published an article. It says, now this is from uh, Osaid Alistair. I think that was the, yeah, same person posting here. Since we wrote this letter to The Lancet, the stats resulting from attacks by occupation forces on healthcare workers and facilities has doubled. 130 healthcare workers killed, 57 facilities targeted, resulting in 12 hospitals and 32 facilities being non-operational. Our message is the same, he writes. Stop the military attacks now. Protect civilians, including healthcare workers. Lift the 16-year blockade on Gaza immediately. Allow international aid to enter Gaza to support the healthcare system that has already collapsed, both on short-term and long-terms. The point is, Lancet 
it's, I mean, it's everywhere. Urgent call for protecting healthcare workers in Palestine. Also, a committee to protect journalists. As we've already shown you, by the way, more members of the press have died in the first weeks of the Israeli-Gaza war, which really just the ongoing war against Gaza, than any other conflict since at least 1992. That's how bad this is. And we're acting like this is a completely justified act of war. They're killing journalists and medics and hospitals and mosques and it's on and on. This is one of the worst things I've ever seen. As of November 1st, 33 journalists dead, eight journalists injured, nine missing or detained. You know who's detaining journalists? Israel. Read about it yourself. Now, Let's talk about the October 7th point here. Hold on really quickly. I don't know why these, I just went over these. Jeez. Just one more of the things we got to deal with when you got to, did I just do this? Jeez. Hold on. See, otherwise you have to wait every time I go to a new tab. That's what happens when the whole thing restarts. Watch it do it all again, I bet. Okay. Now we're going to go to the October 7th point, And I think this is important. We already broke this down twice, in fact, on two different shows, because I really do think it was that important. Now, I'm not going to go through it all again, but I'm going to reiterate some of the more the finer points and, and to make a larger point here is to, I really want the average person to see and clip this little part out, get this in front of people, that the, the, that the information comes directly from Israelis who were there, Israeli Jews who were at the concert. And in this case, I do believe that every one of the ones we're referencing are, in fact, not just Israelis, but Israeli Jews. And they were there at the concert. They were there at the Kibbutz Be'ere. And all of them on the record are saying that IDF shot hostages. Okay? It's not up for debate. Now, I'm not saying that means everybody. Probably know it can only be the, all the four or five that we can see. But it still matters. And we know that the, air, the helicopter pilots are admitting that they were indiscriminately shooting and they could have been hostages in any number of the cars. So here... Christian uh, Malzerate points, uh, posts this. It's just kind of an embarrassing clip for, for Timcast, I would argue. But this person is simply stating what we've already proven that you can easily prove. He sa- it says, he said the IDF was in such a disarray that they shot their own people. It says, I happened to watch Real Scott Ritter earlier on, on Judge Napoliano and recalled that he said the same thing. This he's simply asking Scott Horton, is this accurate? Now, even Daniel McAdams posts this down here. It's not anything obscure. Here's the Gray Zone article, and you can show the, the Cradle article, the Mondo Weiss article, any number of these things that cite directly to Israeli media, which I will show you today. And I want to make that the bigger point today. Like, this is directly from Israeli state radio. Easy to prove. Same thing here. This is, well, I, I, don't know, I, I didn't do the translation. Hold on, let me see if I can do it up here. Here we go. A conversation with Yasmin Parat, a survivor of the bar. This is the Kibbutz Ba'eri massacre. All right, so she is the same person we keep telling you who told us and says in this interview live with mainstream Israeli media that they shot hostages. But yet it's amazing that this is still considered fake news if brought up anywhere else. It's amazing. We'll go through it really quickly, really. So first of all, this clip and the way that Tim responds is just very telling, guys. I think it's very, very telling. Qualify something about the fourteen hundred. By the way, uh, there's there's pretty good evidence that the IDF actually killed some of these people. Now, I'm not saying this is not Hamas's fault, but I'm and I'm not exonerating Hamas. But they bombed houses that they thought were uh, being where people were being held hostage. 
by terrorists. They bombed people on. They shot people on the street. So I mean, there's a good number that were uh, that were taken out by the IDF. Uh, the, do, you, uh, do you have a source I can pull up for for that? That's what, that's I've read it in five different places, Tim. So I, I mean, those are serious claims. Uh, I've not se- seen that. Oh you yeah, say that Israel blew up their own villages. They, because blew, they blew up houses and, and. First of all, I always find it so interesting when somebody like I mean I'm, I would be the, just the same if I hadn't seen it. I would say, whoa, you know, let's make sure we can prove that. Uh, that's that I would agree with. But what's interesting to me is how. I don't know how somebody in this position, who clearly he's talking about this topic, I mean, if you're, if it's everywhere. I mean, look, you guys know this, and it's not just in our bubble. It, this is there's major outlets that have talked about this, and it's all over the conversation. As long as you're looking anywhere but corporate media, so I find that a little interesting that he would not even have heard of that at this point. <laughs> it seems pretty wild to me. And that's what that's what uh, uh, Daniel McAdams is pointing out. It's not very obscure. It's effing everywhere, right? So first, that stood out to me. I thought that was very telling. Wondering if that's just he didn't know it or his effort, his effort is to try to downplay it. In which they suspected the terrorists were holding hostages. Yes. I, I, but you need, to, you need to know your sources on that one if you're in uh, Look at me. Fair enough. I would say the same. You, I mean, you should be able to cite it, first of all. But it, it, he's, right, he's not wrong about Middle it. East, uh, Middle East High. I, I, there's a source. That, that's a bold claim. I mean, even, even some of the IDF forces said we didn't know what we were shooting at. Exactly. We didn't. We didn't know, and we just started uh, shooting randomly. We didn't know what to do because they were so. That's an exact quote, by the way, that we didn't know what to do. Disorganized. Now, I, I would admit, and it's very true, that the Hamas caused a great deal of confusion and threw the whole IDF into a complete uh, quandary. They didn't know what was going on, uh, and so they actually committed some acts of violence against. Uh, inadvertently, their own people. Well, that's debatable, but at the very least, we know their own people. You see, this so is why I don't go anywhere near that. I, I think that's not true. I think what you're saying is false. Wow, what a thing to say. Like, so you quickly glance online and just you think, I, you know, well, he didn't say he knows, but at the very least, I gotta have, a, I have a hard time with that. No, nah, I think it's false. That's false. Move on. <laughs> okay. That's, you're wrong, but that's interesting. On October 8th, what happened is the, um, the Israeli military started to react. They started late on the seventh, but on the eighth they 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 went in and they um they launched uh, a very vengeful counterattack. Um, uh, uh, Hamas was dug into a number of kibbutzes with a large number of uh, hostages, and the Israeli army just went in there and um and and. and I can't say indiscriminate because they did it on purpose. I mean, they put tank rounds into buildings where there were Jewish hostages held by Hamas because they were going to kill Hamas. Um, the, I, Israeli, the Israeli military attacked Israelis in Israel because there were Hamas among them. Well, is that that much different than what we're currently dealing with? Because you have to remember, the Zionists are, are pretending to care about all this, in my opinion, whether they in some degree care or not, the point is that they're lying about what they really are. Their logic, Hannibal directive, is clear that we kill our own people to, to, to make sure we don't get embarrassed again. So at the same point, they're killing Palestinians to go after one commander, we're told. It's very clear that they don't really respect human life. So why would this be any different? Well, get rid of those people, but kill the Hamas members too. We win because they don't care about life. Yes, I think they, they call it the Hannibal Doctrine. It's basically... 
Did I say doctrine? Oh, I said directive. Hannibal do doctrine. Or maybe I thought it was directive. In any, any case, that's the same Hannibal discussion. A doctrine that says that if an Israeli is taken hostage, that you kill them rather than allow them to be used as a tool in, um, in, 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 in negotiations down the road. Right. Very, very important. Now, I do think the word indiscriminate can be used in a way that means that you're just not caring what you hit. Even though it's you're like deliberately bombing everywhere in the hope that you kill the Hamas member, if you end up not killing the hostage, well, okay, that's fine, right? Like that's kind of the, but that, that's what I would say is indiscriminate. Though you're doing it on purpose, knowing that you might kill them. But the, the question should be asked whether they might just try to kill them on purpose because of that argument that, well, then they'll be able to tell what we did or didn't do, right? I just, these are, that's the kind of people I believe we're dealing with here. Now let's get into the actual information, right? Like the actual stuff. We went over it in this show, more than more than one show, but here's the one one of the ones we went into. Evidence shows Israel killed its own citizens on the 7th. The show right after this, we did it again. I think it might even have been this one, I think. 28th, 9th, yeah, this was the next one. Gaza genocide was always the plan. And that overlaps into the leaked plan about the Sinai Desert. We'll talk briefly in a, again in a minute. But here again, there's a lot of quotes just the, the important one, I think, that stands out from the Mondo Weiss article, which is also right here. His voice. This is sp speaking to Haretz. His voice trembles when his when his partner, who was besieged in her home, sheltered at the time, comes to mind. According to him, on on the Monday night, on the ninth, and only after the commanders in the field made difficult decisions, including shelling houses with all their occupants inside, in order to eliminate the terrorists along with the hostages. Did the IDF complete the takeover? That's a direct quote on the record, right? So there's no debating this. That's what they're admitting. Now you can read this article. I was going to go over and highlight this, but I ended up, there's a lot to go through, but we, this, it's generally what we've already gone over, right? This is the one that was also in the gray zone article talking about how they bombed the, uh, the, uh, that one location. And then, and then they on the record ordered to be bombed and then blamed it on Hamas in, in their social media. Here's the deaths in Kibbutz Ba'ere. And this, this Electric Intifada article is well done. Interviewing, uh, her name again was Yasmin Parat. But the point is, within this article, as much as you can clearly see, you know, this, this platform is very clearly as a side, right? But the point is, here it is on Israeli state media, right there. You can listen to it yourself. Here is oh, that's another one on Israeli state radio. And then here's the one with directly with Israeli corporate media. And they're saying the same things. You can look at them, confirm them for yourself. On the Mondo Weiss article, it says here, and this is on, with the Guardian, building after building has been destroyed, whether in the Hamas assault or in the fighting that followed, nearby trees splintered, walls to rubble, where Israeli tanks blasted the Hamas militants while they were hiding, you know, just basically acknowledging that we're talking about while they were in these homes, while people were there. And this is the one that we just read. And I wanted to show you directly from the actual article. Now, in the translation, you get a little bit of different verbiage. The trembles becomes broke, but the point is the same. Oh, and of course, it's removed back. Hold on. Turn to the page. Right there. When his voice broke, when he remembered his partner who was besieged, the main point, according to him, only on Monday night, and only after the commanders in the field made difficult decisions, including shelling houses on their occupants in order to eliminate terrorists along with hostages. It's right there. This is literally on Haaretz in a Hebrew-only article. There's not in it. It doesn't come out in English. 
in the only some stuff like that. I wonder why. It's right there. This is Haaretz on the way. I did. I have to do it on the way back machine because it's a pay only article. Big so pay only and only in Hebrew, only for the Israeli audience. But they're just as angry about this as anybody. You're, they're reading that they killed their own people. Now, this was on Reddit, definitely showing you the survivors speaking to Israeli radio. Israeli soldiers undoubtedly shot their own civilians. They eliminated everyone, including the hostages. I mean, I've read this quote directly for you. There was heavy crossfire, even tank shelling. Palestinian fighters treated us well. Nothing happened to me like what I heard in the media. That's directly from Israeli state radio. Here's the, and here is, and that you can, there's the actual link for you. You can play it. But then you have the direct video from corporate media in Israel, Channel 12, reporting you the same thing. And then Electric Intifada does a great breakdown, including a lot more information. Please read it. My point is not to take a whole other show on this, but just to make you realize they, the people there admitted this. They admitted that they were shot as they were running from the concert. And I, I honestly believe what happened with Shawnee Loke and, and the German tattoo artist, what seems to add up to me is that she was shot in the crossfire. The members that were there took her to the hospital, which even her own mom confirmed. And then Israel bombed or took out the areas around the hospital to where she was. I mean, she very well may still be alive. I don't, the whole bone story doesn't add up for me. It went from being her head to her whole body. They delete all of that. And it turns out the mom, it's just a, a, a sliver of a bone that they they claim that they tested and they say was her. Except their story was they know the way they know she's dead is that the, the bone that was missing, she couldn't live without. But the mom then admits that it was only a sliver of a bone. So I just, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. And the only thing that's coming from, surprise, surprise, is from Israeli media or Israeli military. So I don't even know if she may still be alive somewhere in a hospital. But my point is the very hospital that they admitted that she was went to, it shut down days later because they didn't have enough fuel. So if she was on life support, she probably died or they bombed somewhere that she was. All of that's possible. So my point, we know that some of these people were killed by the IDF. That's a fact. And I don't say that lightly. Now, we also know, as I said before, Gaza prisoners that were in Gaza on the record were saying, Netanyahu, do you want to kill us all? The point being, they're bombing indiscriminately and they're going to kill them just like they did in other locations and likely already have. Now, here's Dan Cohen citing a U.S. citizen who is still in Gaza that Biden doesn't care about. She says, I don't want to be another number in the massacre. So U.S. citizen Susan Basiaso is trapped in Gaza with her family and the State Department is ignoring her pleas for help. Remember, we already played this for you where Matt Miller's acting like we're trying to help, coming to the border and nothing happens. Then he blames Hamas, even though then later goes, but maybe it was because they weren't there. Hamas does not have control over this stuff. They're in the open air prison, right? Israel controls the, the, the crossing and everything else. They're not letting them leave. Even Egypt has admitted this. So they are holding these people, even as they're ready to go. Why wouldn't, think about how gross it is the US government or the British government doesn't care about that. Israel is literally using these people. Let's call them human shields. <laughs> they're holding them. And then, I mean, it's a little different since they're bombing them. My point is, how do your governments not care about that? Now, let's not forget, Effat Fangenson points out early that she believes that this was at least, that this was allowed to happen, if not orchestrated. She worked in the IDF, in intelligence, and she does not believe that this could have happened. But this is interesting. She points out that, all, that 10 months ago, Speaking with Rebel News, and interestingly, she notes out that they weirdly edited this. And I think that's very telling. But she points out that 10 months ago, she gave her prediction. 
for why a war in the Middle East was going to happen as a big as a diversion from big global problems the world is facing. So all those out there that think my, all of this might just be to distract and justify the other you know new steps. So that's what she seems to think similar things. In the first 35 seconds of the interview for Rebel News, well, what's what's hilarious is she goes, my prediction only appears in the beginning of the interview. It was editor's choice to cut it out and edit it this way. I just find it interesting. Rebel News has very clearly lost their plot for, you know, they're chilling for Israel like so many others. But her point was just simply saying that she believes that this war that we're in is only related to globalist agendas. Clearly, there are local tensions that have reached a boiling point and geopolitical interests at play. She says, I do, however, think that big factors here are diversions from an upcoming global fiat monetary collapse and its CBDC solution and the energy, oil and gas control game, which is, again, related to the petrodollar and the U.S. hegemony destabilization. That's her understanding, she says, of the global landscape, which she continues to research and collect information on. Very interesting. Now, again, my gut tells me that it's not just like I, I would agree with everything she said, except for the likelihood, in my opinion, that this was actually the, the spin out of events that they then capitalized on. Because I just the way that this went down does not feel like it makes sense from a strategic standpoint. This feels like zealotry and, and extremism and, and, and them trying to take advantage of that, which I agree pretty much with everything she said. And, and even what she's saying here is not that she knows that, but just that she feels that this might have been coming. And, you know, and maybe it was. Maybe it was something that was driven to happen by outside powers. Maybe the U.S. government. I mean, all these things should be considered. I just think it's me. She has a special amount of clout in this topic. Now, just to end with this section, Majid Narwaz points out something, and he just simply says, even those who initially fell for the joint Hamas-Netanyahu false flag terrorist operation, as he sees it, are now looking aghast and are in shock as he doubles down on his scorched earth policy of bombing anything that moves in Gaza because animals. You are not forgotten. We see you. That's what I'm talking about, man. Like people showed who they were in this, just like with the COVID-19, but it get the COVID-19 conversation. But this was far more acute, immediate, and just in your face. Do not forget the people that were moments ago acting like they cared about freedom and individual choice and free speech and then except we don't care about any Palestinian or rather we don't care about anything if it stands in the way of Israel's agenda. Make sure you don't miss that. Make sure you remember that. And this person posts a comment from one of these stated Hamas officials, which I just find it odd that these people are trotted out and they say certain things and it, it just it doesn't represent Palestinians. It just doesn't. And that's stated by anybody that understands the current situation of where it's gone since 2006, which was, which was the last election. That doesn't mean legitimacy. The, the Palestinian Authority, which I'll get into in a minute more, is far more what makes sense. Either way, my point is that it's like I said before, where they show one person's statement and then act like that's what everybody thinks. It's just more broad stroke bigotry, really. But this person simply points out. This, I, think, this, I think this is a group he's involved in, but he says, we have been doing this for years. That didn't stop Netanyahu wing Zionists from funding and facilitating Hamas terrorists. So all he says in response is, okay, this person posted Hamas saying terrible things. Well, okay, then as I keep pointing out, well, then explain for me why you don't care that, Hamas, that Netanyahu, up until right before this started, was accused of propping them up and funding them, even going so far as to give them weapons and, and munitions. That's from both U.S. and Israel, according to corporate media. He just writes here, Hamas are terrorists, and so are anyone who co-founds, funds, trains, or supports them. 
He writes here, Israel helped to found and fund Hamas. The CIA provided funding, arms, and tactical support to ISIS in Syria. President Trump knows. <laughs> and the point is, you, you just can't pretend, they play one side of this game. They're caught. And now they're trying to destroy everything, it seems. But Kavok Almasian makes a really interesting point in regard to the where they want to drive this, but also in the admission of the fact that not only are U.S. troops on the ground, just like I've been telling you, that well before this, but whether that, what, I, what I've been talking about is the stated kind of like, we're sending in this many troops to help with the ground invasion, which seems to start to happen now, which I think that's the point, is they seem to now have decided they want to draw this into something bigger, which is a little alarming. But he says, well, the U.S., told Iran not to intervene in the onslaught against Gaza. Hundreds of American special forces arrived in the Middle East. The Pentagon expanded a secret military base near Gaza and sent elite warships and aircraft carriers to the region. This looks like a perfect formula for encouraging Iran to intervene and expand the war. Here's what he has to say. To Iran. Don't. As President Biden said, just don't. Exactly. One word. These people are so stupid. Don't like they think they've got any power to influence what they're thinking. Like that's supposed to be a scary or something like it's just even her face right there is just hilarious to me. I think what it sh- I think they know that they don't They're You know what? You know what it strikes me as somebody who knows it's like the kind of person that has to talk about themselves and always say what they're doing and how strong they are. Look at how strong I am. It's usually the weakest person in the room. Pretty straightforward. Do Americans know that their leaders have become the mockery of the world? You have a president who cannot formulate two coherent sentences without a teleprompter and a vice president who found herself in that position because the Democrats like to play identity politics for electoral gains. And the rest are competing with each other to prove who is more loyal to Israel, including politicians who literally raise the slogan, America first. Now that the Biden administration told Iran, don't, meaning don't intervene in the ongoing onslaught against Gaza, I'm wondering how can the U.S. discourage Iran from intervening when hundreds of American special forces arrived in the Middle East and Israel, the U.S. expanded a secret military base near the Gaza Strip, and when the U.S. stationed its elite warships and aircraft carriers in the Mediterranean and the Arabian Sea. It seems to me that this is the perfect formula for encouraging Iran to intervene and expand the war. In this boiling environment and while Hezbollah started launching rocket attacks up to 14 kilometers deep, the Secretary General of the Lebanese group appeared in a short video and his media office announced a speech on Friday afternoon, his first after the recent Gaza war. In my opinion, if Hezbollah joins the war officially and wages a ground offensive, Israel will need U.S. participation via special forces, warships, and fighter jets to confront the Lebanese group. The Israeli army is not a match for Hezbollah's forces' experience and combat readiness. Hezbollah's strength and military capabilities are incomparable to Hamas. They are way stronger than the Palestinian armed groups. Syrians saw their military competence and discipline firsthand in the battles against the U.S.-backed Takfiri armed groups in Syria. Therefore, Israelis will watch this speech with great interest as the fate of the region and probably the world depends on the events of the next few weeks. As an expert in Middle Eastern politics, I've been following the military growth of Hezbollah since 2006 July war 
and its participation in the Syrian war. And I'm analyzing here the volatile situation in the region based on my knowledge and experience. Therefore, take this video as an analysis and not wishful thinking or endorsement. Now, we, I did have an interview set with him today, actually, for something separate. And there was a little bit of a miscommunication, so we're set to go tomorrow. I'm a big fan of Kavor Kalmasian for Syrian analysis. He's very intelligent and very objective and thoughtful. What we're going to talk about tomorrow is something interesting. I thought about bringing it up today, but I'd rather just interview with him tomorrow. There's an, he's, he's discussing a very interesting dynamic that's kind of separate, but interestingly also connect, connected in its own way to the bigger picture, which is that he believes that the U.S. government and other Western powers are planning to assassinate Assad. Now, I'll, we'll, we'll be interviewing that tomorrow. Again, I'm probably never for the rest of my life doing a live interview because of the, what happened with the ongoing manipulation and censorship with Corbett and everything else. So I can make sure that never happens again, but it, I likely will still put it out tomorrow. But I, it's interesting. Now, back to his point, right? First of all, it's obvious that they're seemingly trying to bait some people in, or it appears that way. And I would agree with that, like Iran. But I mean, I actually, I, I take that back a little bit. It's appear, what it appears to me is that they're setting up the circumstances that would appear like the, the exact justification that would draw somebody in. But I wonder whether or not that is simply them putting it in their lap. Right. By knowing that if they come in, it becomes World War Three. So then they could blame them for being the one that creates it. Right. So they're the ones that just stepped in. U.S. government has now put their stake in this with people on the ground, which, by the way, was obvious to everybody in the beginning. But now, as I said, that was a first domino, which will then draw in possibly Iran and Syria and Lebanon, which is already involved or Russia, China kind of thing, which ends up creating a situation that is untenable, unwinnable for the Western powers. So I just don't, I, I just wonder if it, they are playing, they're, they're so belligerent and they know this now that they're going to make them be the ones with restraint, knowing that if they go further, that the U.S. very well might use nuclear weapons. Like that's the kind of idea that if you show yourself to be that belligerent, which is why they often point at everyone else and say, he's likes to kill babies because see somewhere in their consciousness, they know that that's what they're capable of. It ultimately, that puts it in their court. Either way, the settings have been made. The table is set. They're clearly creating the circumstances that draw in other entities. Now, he also points out that government documents point to the construction of a classified U.S. base. Here is the intercept. U.S. quietly expands a secret military base in Israel. Like, it's just, it's obvious what's happening right now. And they have put themselves in with the, I mean, look, if there's ever an example right now of the villain, it's obvious what we're looking at. They are indiscriminately murdering people in a way that I have never witnessed in all of my time doing this. And the U.S. goes, we're on your side. We'll absolutely take your side in this and we will never say a word about what you're doing. In fact, we will lie about it everywhere we go. The, the rules-based international order group, right? Equity, ESG, and all these false narratives. The point is, they're there. Dan Cohen points out, according to his sources, U.S. special forces are in Israel on the Gaza border. Photos were sent to him showing him the equipment and so on, which, of course, anything could be a lie. The point is, I think we've already proven this. Vanessa Bealey writes, though, waiting for her. Per I, see, I, this is, I respect her more than most in this field. She's saying she's waiting, and as of this is yesterday, for confirmation that they are, in fact, on the beginning of the ground invasion. Now, I've been saying the same thing. I've seen little skirmishes and little different things, but whether they're actually doing what they're claiming they're now beginning over the last couple of days and showing all these videos, I just... Something about it, I still question. 
It's being reported by select ex Twitter accounts and media, but she's waiting for her confirmation. The attack order of the commander of the Southern Command Division, General Jan, uh, Yaron Finkelman, to the land forces operating in Gaza Strip. And he's just showing you this discussion. So we'll have to wait and hear. I'm waiting to hear her. I mean, she might even be on her account right now, for all I know. But my point is, I think it's pretty clear that they've already done this. We already showed you the uh, three-star general that was already on the ground, according to Axios. Let's see. Uh, here we go. Marine Corps three-star general advising the Israeli military. Like you, really, Just to make it clear, this is October 23rd. So that means that the three-star general was either involved with the decision to bomb the refugee camp or was there and by definition complicit. The U.S. government is involved. They are complicit. They are culpable for what happened in that refugee camp and everything else taking place because they are alongside them. The U.S. sends more than 300 more troops to the Middle East, raising the total to 1,200. And again, on the ground in Israel, leadership. There's no denying this. And again, this brings me to the point about the leaked plans for what's really the, the overall agenda, it seems. Genocide was always the plan. Right? Loki points out, and so too of WikiLeaks has already confirmed this, that they this is a real document, and this was a leaked report from the, the ministry, the Israel Ministry of Intelligence, to push over two million people out of Gaza into the Sinai Desert. And using everything we've seen happen to make it happen. Starvation, bombing, indiscriminate attacks, everything, for the sole purpose of getting rid of them or driving them into the desert. Now, Dan Cohen is now writing or pointing out the Times of Israel is saying that they're planning to give the Palestinian Authority control after this, right? Which is exactly what Robert and plenty of others have made. And, this, and that's what Dan Cohen says right here. Anthony Blinken will propose the Palestinian Authority, the occupation subcontractor that is reviled in the West Bank and has zero legitimacy to lord over the smoldering rubble mass grave known as Gaza after Israel finishes its genocidal war. There is 0% chance this comes to fruition. I agree with that, actually. My point, though, is to remember that someone like this, wherever that was, I forget the, I had the clip from, maybe I already closed it. Oh, well, from the, the representative I was showing before, you know, that his point was all they ask for, all they're calling for is the equal application of international law. So maybe he's lying. I don't know. But it strikes me as somebody who genuinely cares for the cause. My point, though, is that from an ent- or top-down entity, from a boss level down, or just a boss in general, that he's compromised. And they've shown themselves to be simply an asset for Israel. So this, to me, seems like another effort, if they, like a secondary plan. Should we not achieve this? We'll just continue, we'll just pretend like we're handing power. But that's already what happens right now. The Palestinian Authority is already sort of the ruling faction, as far as I can tell, from Israel's perspective. Now, in regard to the Egyptian overlap, Egyptian, Egyptian prime minister is now saying that they are ready to sacrifice millions of lives to defend their territory. Now, this is being interpreted a lot of different ways. Now, it says, the quote was, we are prepared to sacrifice millions of lives to ensure that no one encroaches upon our territory, which is interesting. I mean, you could take this for as Palestinians, right? But the way I read this is that if they, the, the reason they're so desperate, as by the way, Egypt has already made clear to not let Palestinians into the Sinai Desert is because they know what that will then create. Israel's not, I mean, first of all, Palestinians are always going to want their land back because they should. It's their occupied Palestine. And even the UN has argued that some of that part of the land is theirs. You know, the original two-state concept. 
then Israel doesn't care. The point is that if they're now pushed over here, and even Netanyahu lied to them and said, you can all come back, then there's always going to be this problem. And Israel will then perceive Egypt as a threat. Like, I, it's very simple. And Egypt then would have to deal with the problem, and they would essentially either be seen as the one then oppressing the Palestinians or the one supporting them. If they support them, they're then not on the side of Israel. Like, it seems like a guarantee to put them at odds. From a tactical standpoint, like, and obviously from Egypt's perspective, take them into Israel. In fact, the point is they're already in Israel, occupied Palestine. So the idea that you would drive them into another country is just, it doesn't make any sense. Especially when you're the one pretending you're trying to help those people while you then bomb them at the same time. None of this adds up other than realizing they don't care about any of them. And in fact, they're trying to get rid of all of them. But Egypt, Egypt is saying, we're not going to do that. Now, now, here's what begins to reveal the whole leaked plan, even more so. Middle East Eyes reporting, and many others are the same, Israel's now proposing writing off a significant chunk of Egypt's international debts through the World Bank to entice the cash-strapped Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, where's my favorite dictator, to open its doors for displaced Palestinians. That's Trump's famous quote of Sisi when he came in. Where's my favorite dictator? Just showing you how trans... That's why a lot of them didn't like Trump there, because he was very obvious about his stuff. You're not supposed to work with dictators, right? That's the whole point. That's what they are, they are, though. The point, two things. One, it shows you that they're desperate to make this happen. And I think the whole point is because I don't think they quibble about murdering all these people, but it's clearly not working for them. The world sees them now. So they're going to try to make this work. But you're displacing people. So even removing them has already been taught called, it is a war crime. But the other thing that stands out to me, how exactly are we supposed to take this that somehow this state, this one country, is at least claiming that they are able to manipulate the World Bank? Why is it? How is Israel capable of just going, we'll wipe your debt? Is Israel controlling the World Bank? I mean, is Israel the one that's able to wipe debts for the international stage? Or are they just lying about that? Either way, that seems like a very hubristic statement. We'll just wipe off your international debt, says one country. I mean, that doesn't make much sense to me unless you begin to realize that these powers, the U.S., the Israel government, they do manipulate this stuff on a completely illegitimate way. I find that to be very, very revealing. Now, another news. Oh, this thing. Dang it. It refreshed on me, so I lost my spot. Where were we on this? Oh, this, oh, that's right. So this right here. Handful of Americans expected to leave Gaza. I think it was actually one more down. Let's see. Yeah, so it's five American aid workers crossed from Egypt, Gaza into Egypt. So all this begins to show you is that Israel is continuing to not let anybody leave. If, so why, how does it make sense that five Americans just left, but nobody else did? Well, it's a combination of Israel and Egypt. Right. And the point is that Egypt doesn't want to end up sticking with all getting stuck with all of this. Right. In, in the context of the political mire that then Egypt will, or Israel will create for them. And then e Israel clearly does not is bombing them as they go. Not doesn't really care about what happens to them. But either way, five Americans just went across aid workers. And, and it says they work for Palestinian Refugees Relief Fund, which is very, very interesting to me. Then it goes on to say 22 Doctors Without Borders staff cross from Gaza into Egypt. I find this very interesting. So what about these 600 Americans? 
or the many different British Americans or whatever else. Like the point, like if they're all worried about the main group, it doesn't make sense that they're only selectively letting through people until you realize that they're very much in control of this. It's not Hamas. They've always been in control of this. And the corporate media happily lies about it all. Blinken to travel to Israel and Jordan. Who cares? Nobody cares about you, Blinken. You're a complete sociopath. Handful of Americans expected to leave Gaza Wednesday. That's today. A handful of Americans. Okay. What, how does that logically make sense with what's happening? Why are you picking only a few of them? National Security Council, John Kirby said, according to Palestinian... Kirby called the exit a significant breakthrough. You, you, and you, go. The rest of you, you're screwed. Is that how that's working? I mean, I, why not just let them through if you're only... I just make, it, it shows you some weird type of control. Then it says IDF, that's not, that's not important, the, what, the segment I'm talking about. Well, anyway, that was the point for that. Now, here's what Dr. David Eli said. I'm going to make an important section here to finish as we get closer to three hours about how grotesquely bigoted these people are. I mean, the most vile, vivid, clear examples of what they've always called racism. I mean, if you just flip this on its ear and say that somebody is making a point that see, this is why, like, okay, let me just read the point first. So David, Dr. David Eli says, which I'm not, you know, anyway, Prime Minister of Egypt just said that Egypt is, quote, ready to sacrifice millions of lives to prevent even a single Palestinian refugee to enter. That's not what he said, right? Of course, nobody should take these people seriously because of how willfully they will misrepresent facts to achieve their end, which is probably what they were doing to COVID stuff, making the rest of us look bad. My point, though, is what he actually said, as I already read to you, was simply that he will be prepared to sacrifice millions of lives to ensure that no one encroaches upon our territory. Well, that means Israel. That means anybody. And yes, you could con- 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 see that as meaning Palestinians, which it definitely does, as lo- along with everybody else. But then he goes to the forest to quote it. Well, rather, the last part doesn't, but to prevent even a single Palestinian refugee. Then he says, why so much hatred for Palestinians? Maybe because Egypt knows them too well. Think about that. So let's flip this around, right? So this is somebody else that you perceive to be, you know, not, you know, pro-Israel that simply says, why doesn't the, you know, why doesn't Egypt let these Jewish refugees in? Maybe because they know what Jews are like all too well. Yeah, that doesn't sit too well. Everybody freaks out, right? Now, what's the difference? The only difference is that we're allowed to hate Arabs right now. Just like they're always allowing you to hate. It shows you that none of these people actually care about anything they pretend to care about. It shows you these are racist. He's a bigot. He's a grotesque, disgusting person who hates Arabs and Palestinians because of who they are. Tell me where I'm wrong. To pretend that every person in Palestine is the same type of person that everybody hates because of who they are. That is racism. Period. If we said, you know, why this state won't let any black people in? Well, maybe they know what black people are like all too well. Oops. That's not allowed, right? Because that's gross. You're a gross person. So too is David Eli. Or Dr. Eli David, excuse me. Well, here's an interesting point about this. And this is something with uh, Dave Rubin. As Dave Rubin... Oh, I thought I forgot I had an image of it. Well, in any case, the point is... Oh, actually, hold on. I think I had it. I think I got it right here. Hold on. Pretty sure I took a, an image of it. Maybe not. 
the point was, so he, he, he there was a, a shot of a, pal, a, a pro-Palestine rally. Palestine rally. That's all it was. And like, that's what I referenced earlier, actually. It's like 40 people waving Palestine flags. That's it. Every one of them on the way by, the only thing you hear is free, free, free Palestine. That same tra- chant you're hearing, right? Dave Rubin, founder of Locals, says, driving past a Nazi rally. A Nazi rally? I mean, I made fun of this before. Like, get your propaganda straight. Are they Nazis or are they ISIS? You can't just conflate these things. They're very different. Here's my point. I said, you're embarrassing yourself. Enjoy the rabid followers who support such ignorance. Just broad stroking an entire group of people as Nazis because they support Palestine. Not Hamas, but Palestine. So you're not only conflating or assuming that everyone there has the same opinion, which is ignorant, but you're also conflating anything pro-Palestine with pro-Hamas, which is ignorant. I mean, for an openly gay man, think about how ridiculous it is for you to broad stroke an entire group. I mean, I just can't get past the disregard. As I said, you're embarrassing yourself. Enjoy the rabid followers who support such ignorance. They'll eat you alive the moment you stop walking that Zionist line or just because they feel like it. And as I said, just read the comments below your shockingly ignorant broad stroke generalization. Hashtag journalism. Have fun. I mean, grotesque stuff about how what they should do to these people and why they're all about... Because they say free Palestine. Now, let me, let me put it this way. Even if you think Palestine is the living embodiment of Nazism, how, how, why do you think they know that? Can't you at least wrap your mind around the possibility that if you think it's all a big ploy, that maybe they're manipulated by their government? Or what, what, what if I, how about if you think I'm a manipulator, how about the fact that I have convinced them that they're not bad? My point in saying that is that you can't broad stroke all of them as bad people because maybe they don't even believe that. But you see, the point is they don't care. A journalist is supposed to know better. A journalist is supposed to be objective enough to go, well, they're not all Nazis because I disagree with them. That's childishly stupid. Here we are, though. And then he blocked me, which you can surely tell by now. Maybe he was embarrassed after he actually looked at the grotesque comments under his ignorantly broad-stroked tweet, calling all people simply calling for a free state Palestine Nazis. And this guy writes, right, rightly so, how does the creator of Locals block anyone? In what world does that make any sense? You know, the free speech platform, right? But I'm not going to suggest that blocking someone has anything to do with free speech. It doesn't. My point is that still arguing the idea that you're going to like the only people I block, which I rarely do anymore these days, I just mute people and let them scream into the wind. But is that it's it's people that are just like aggressive and and have no concern or no interest in any kind of dialogue and are just there to constantly hound everything you do. It's just it just gets in the way. Not in no way is that in any way for censoring anybody. It's not that that shows a fundamental misunderstanding of what censorship means and what it is. But different topic. Here's another important one. This really makes the point. This person is the global speaker, startup advisor, tech columnist for, guess what? TechCrunch, Microsoft, Oracle, Google, all these classic things. And, and as he writes, husband, dad, times five, proud Jew. He points out, no idea who wrote it, but it basically sums up the whole thing perfectly. Here's what it says. A group of psychopaths say, we will butcher you and your children. So you put up a fence. People cry. You put those poor things in a cage. Then they break down the fence and butcher us and our children. And people cry. What did you expect? You put them in a cage. So not only is this just 
childishly simplistic. Like, so first of all, we're just going to start with the premise that we're pretending that everyone there world butcher you and your children, every one of them. I mean, think about it. And then, and, but no, you put up a fence, but I thought that wasn't the reality. I thought it wasn't an open air prison. Oops. They can't lie about, they lie about everything. You're going to get caught in a lie at some point. You put these poor things in a cage. My point is to make, let's make this simple. This is clear that he thinks in his mind that every Palestinian, because that's what we're talking about, not just Hamas, obviously, that every Palestinian is going to butcher you and your children unless you put a fence up. Do you remember, does this draw a parallel to anything in your mind? You know, I don't know, any number of different circumstances, apartheid South Africa or just Jim Crow America, right? Where, well, you can't let those blacks run free. They'll rape your women. Remember that disgusting bigotry? How is this any different? How is that any different? Why do anybody pretend like what he's doing there is some kind of logical statement? You are pretending that every single person who is a Palestinian is going to butcher your children. It's the same thing. You're dehumanizing them so you can kill them. I mean, when when they said that in Jim Crow era, plenty of people were like, yeah, they're all bad. We all hopefully, maybe not this person, stand back and realize how gross that was, how utterly dehumanizing that was, so you could put them into slavery or whatever other thing you wanted to do. This is where we are. These people are the living embodiment of the worst kind of racism, Zionism. Apartheid Israel is blatantly obvious, and they're putting it on full display. I don't know why, but it's always been there. And this is not every Israeli or every Jew. It's Zionists who have influenced those crowds very much so, but not even remotely everyone, especially today. Again, I keep trying to show people how many Israelis right now are not having what's happening. So another example, here's Dan Cohen pointing out, Mark Levin calls Jews the enemy within. It may not make sense for a second, but I'll show you. Every day, Zionists further reveal themselves to be modern-day Nazis. Check this out. It's the same thing I'll show you next, what I showed you before, with Ben, ben Shapiro. These are Jews, Orthodox Jews, in fact. This is the, jo- the, the uh, Torah Judaism group. They speak all over the world. They, they're in London, they're in New York, they're in Israel. I'll show you a video in a moment of, I don't know if it's their same group, but Orthodox Jews being beat up by the IDF, as so many other times I've shown you. Why? Because they dare to protest what the IDF is doing. What he says is the enemy within. The enemy within. Why? Because Orthodox Jews do not believe in Zionism. So what it shows you is he really only cares about Zionism. So anybody that points that out is no longer actually a Jew. No, no, no. It's exactly the opposite. The only people that are really, as under, as according to the Orthodox Jews, that are embodying Judaism are those that are not played by Zionism. So what we're, and, and this is what Dan is making the point about. Every day, Zionists further reveal themselves. It's the same point I made here. Just think about how grotesque it is for this person who's attacking everybody else for being an anti-Semite for literally attacking Jews. Now, again, not even to get into the reality of what a Semite truly is and being a Palestinian in particular, but... The point is I made the same thing here with Ben Shapiro. Ben Shapiro attacks and denigrates the Jews protesting below who dare to simply call for a ceasefire. And that's it. Since they apparently care about the over now 3,000 children who have been killed in Gaza. And he's, he's doing this simply for disagreeing with his belligerent stance. These are, uh, I think it's the group Jews for Peace. 
and this, this is the same thing. Here's a, here's a ninth generation Jerusalem-born Jewish Israeli. These are not my people. See, my point is these people who are radicalized by the Zionist ideology are willing to even completely exile, disregard Jews that just have a different opinion. That, that needs to show you that it's not about Judaism. It's about the Zionist ideology. And all it says is Jews say peace cease fire now. That's all they're doing. They're calling for a seat, not, not only for one side. They want a ceasefire because they care about the Israelis being hurt and they care about the, the Palestinians being hurt. But you see, that's the point. Ben only cares about the Israelis. If that, quite frankly. And he says, useful idiots for Hamas. Plus these trash, trash. I mean, think about the idea that you're calling everybody else Nazis and referencing the Holocaust as you literally call these Jews trash. I mean, Dan making Dan's point exactly. These Zionists are showing you the truth, in my opinion. It's unbelievable to me. And here's an example from Torah Judaism, which you should follow. The point is, they they write Jews mourn the occupation of and Holocaust of Palestine, which has continued for more than seventy five years. Zionist terrorism. Zionists are not Jews. Zionists are devils who oppose God and the Torah and commit all kinds of sins prohibited by the Torah. Zionists killed is innocent people exiled them, stole their homes and property. Zionists are the devils with pure evil in their hearts. Now, that's that's their statement. Now, you can watch this. all the different examples of them beating me. You know, it's, it's just, it's nonstop. I could do an entire show showing you this stuff, and I have many times before. I'll show you one in a second. Here is another Israeli Jew commenting on this. We let it happen. We turned religion into a money machine in the land of Israel. Zionism turned it into a weapon and mandates in the coalition. Our children were soldiers of the occupation. We got to where we are because we forgot the basic law of the Torah given to us by the Holy One. Blessed be he. And you love your neighbor as you do. That's the only way we will live in peace. I'm telling you, this is a rising reality. In the, and that's why they're, I think, becoming desperate. People see who they are. The Zionists, I mean. These are people there that are realizing that they've been played or that other people have at the very least. Now, here is Vanessa Bealey pointing out the only democracy in the Middle East. Look at this, guys. I mean, I'll play it right here. Zionist police on Wednesday raided the anti-Zionist Jewish neighborhood. That's the one I keep pointing at. In occupied Jerusalem to take down Palestinian flags and brutally attack Jews, hitting and punching them in the face. This is Zionists showing you that they're not about anything but Zionism. That guy was standing there. That guy was not, he was standing. That's hate right there. That guy was literally not even involved. He was walking away. He grabbed him, threw him in the door, and beat him up. What, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that your supposed journalists in the corporate media, or like Ben Shapiro, will not show you.
My God. My God. Now that you finish, <clears throat> we got two more segments really quickly here. UN Watch, which I'm not even familiar with. I, this is just apparently a group that only, oh, it's pretty big actually. Just look, watches the UN apparently. Your voice at the United Nations, the only UN accredited NGO. Yeah, NGOs are rarely NGOs, non-governmental organizations. But it says, no joke, even just starting like that, not, not taking it very seriously. This Thursday, Iran will become chair of the UN Human Rights Council, Social Forum. Which I, it's the only reason that might shock some people is because of propaganda. It's there's a reason that this group. I mean, the idea is if you want to compare theocratic states or the kind of zealotry, you're right now what you're seeing in Israel is light years more than what you're seeing in Iran. Now, yes, there is still very clearly a religious overtone to a lot of what goes on in Iran. But Robert has written about this a lot, and there right now there's all every, every time there's right now there's pl- different mechanisms which we can prove. That where the population votes out things all the time that are, there's a lot of people that still believe in a lot of the religious overtones or the believe that they are like the things like this, like the, um, the hijab, right? The idea being that plenty of people in Israel, in Iran, see it as a rebellious, rebellious thing to the Western culture and others religiously believe in it. Some don't want it. The point is that over the years, things have changed based on the actual, as they might call it, limited democracy. If you believe that this is a limited democracy, but you think Israel's a democracy, I mean, that's just stupid. The kind of stuff you can compare these things, and all they'll do is just say that Iran's lying about it with no care for investigation, even though you can quite literally prove that it's not even, it's the same reason they'll, they'll call in a completely legitimately observed by hundreds of observers election in Venezuela illegitimate, or one in Bolivia that we can still now backwardly prove was completely legitimate. They lied about it. They'll just say what they want. My point is, Iran is another country like plenty of others that has a dip. The track record that they claim they have is completely falsified. And again, that does not mean that they have not committed crimes or any government anywhere. I can show you things they've done wrong. But this says, say no to UN legitimizing a regime that beats, blinds, tortures, and rapes women for demanding their rights. Well, of course, they're referencing two different people who they lied about, who we, and I'm not saying this because I think it, because we can prove because of forensic reports, because of the aftermath, because of photographs, prove that they were not beaten, they were not tortured, that in one case, Thoman literally fell and hit her head on a railing, and they said she was beat. And I'm talking about that was videotaped, guys. And the point is that people hearing this, they don't want to believe it, just go, oh, you're a pro-Iran shill. No, I care about the facts. That's all it is. Now, I'm not saying Iran is not beaten, tortured, based on their, I mean, especially if you go back to the time when the U.S. government and Israel were occupying Iran, that's where that all comes from. The Shah. Let's not forget, before they did that, it was a very, very different place. Every location the U.S. and the West and the Israeli agenda occupy, they weirdly remove the Christian population and turn it into the very theocratic sort of like extremist ideology that they claim they're fighting everywhere. You know, the Wahhabist Saudi Arabian kind of concept that they pretend they're not spreading around the world. I mean, it's just pathetic. Anyway, the point is, who beats, blinds, tortures, and rapes women? Well, we have plenty of examples of that. We'll come to this in a sec. Oh, I forgot. Hold on. I got some points to make. Well, this is what I was going to go to. What literally just happened in the West Bank where they blinded, beat, stripped, burned, urinated on West Bank Palestinians. As even now, the I think it was the UN and Amnesty have covered 
is very clearly happening. There's there's this ongoing settler tirade in the West Bank where they're letting them run wild. They're shooting people, they're raping, they're doing everything. That's not my opinion. So as they're over here calling out Iran for being in the Human Rights Council because of narrative they've spun about them, we can literally see the kind of stuff that these guys have done. The United States government, look at the Iraq war. Look at what they allowed the military to do. Look at what they've done to Yemeni people in the UAE torture prisons. They've beaten, blinded, tortured, raped, used waffle irons and the most horrific things. That was directly from an international report. All this stuff is very easy to see. But weirdly, we only care about narrative spun by Israel. With Like, think about the idea that half the stuff we're talking about here, again, just to make it clear, the reference to beat, blind, bait, and torture, they're pointing to this person right here, Masha Amani. These were proven to be lies. They don't care. The narrative is, well, the NGO, clearly it's not, that is very much a government organization or on the behest of somebody is driving somebody's narrative right now. So Jewish Voices for Peace, you know, the ones that Ben calls trash, Say the footage of Israeli soldiers torturing Palestinian men in the West Bank is horrific. I'll show you some of it. The Israeli military has brutally abused Palestinian prisoners for decades. As the Israeli military wages a genocidal war in Gaza, its soldiers are no longer hiding this abuse from the public. Look at what this person says. Relax, you Nazi anti-Semites. <laughs> really? Right, so Ben Shapiro calls them trash. Mark Levin calls them wherever it was. Oh, the, the enemy within. This guy literally calls these Jewish, the people part of the Jewish Voices for Peace, Nazi anti-Semites. Why? For pointing out that the IDF are beating people up, are raping people, are abusing people. Again, this is a tiny account that I, I don't, I wouldn't, okay, now they follow me, they did it before. As I'm telling you, there's, there's a, tra- people are, be, there's a lot of manipulation taking place. Either way, that's a ridiculous statement for a Jewish Voice for Peace account other than trying to frame anybody that is not on the side of pro-Zionism as Nazis, which is just clumsy. But as Alan McLeod pointed out, I wonder how many figures screaming about Hamas torturing civilians, which we have no evidence for, will have anything to say about this. Of course, there's not. But guess what? I've been blocked officially by the Times of Israel. (laughs) I'll put that badge right next to all the rest of the censorship they keep. But don't worry, because they don't, I guess, realize we can go to the Wayback Machine or to the archive. Here it is. Palestinian accused suspect of attempting sodomy and attacking day. This has been verified. It did happen. And we have lots of evidence other than this, too. We'll get to an actual clip of the current manipulation. But let's not forget, as Robert has already covered, this is before all. This is September 29th, 2022. Israeli forces kill four in Janine, the refugee camp, mutilate a Palestinian dead body in Hebrew. You've seen this already. We've talked about it. And what it says, I think I forget what it was. Hold on. It, it says the end. Clearly, they saw they saw this coming. They 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 literally carve in his body the end in Hebrew. That's who these people are. And then they brand this Palestinian with the Star of David. Which, interestingly, thinking about the Star of David being posted on all these walls, they call some kind of racist attack. Well, here he is getting branded with the Star of David, which they literally tried to claim was the boot laces, which is better, apparently, that you booted his face so hard that it caused this burn. But it's very clearly with the overlap, that was a Star of David burned into his face. 
we covered all this. This was August 2023. Crazy. And as Noor O'Day points out, Palestinian media monitors videos posted by Israeli soldiers. This is the important part to understand. This is what they were saying a second ago. They're proudly displaying this stuff on their Telegram channels, some of them on Twitter, because they think they've got some kind of momentum to support. It's crazy. These are Palestinians in the West Bank, mind you, not even in Gaza. They continue to publish videos documenting their humiliation of Palestinians that they detain in West Bank. Many of them, they let go. They detain them. They torture them, as we just showed you. Bind, they pee on them. They rape them. That's all been reported. This guy just blindfolded with his really flag on it. The music playing, apparently. All these men blindfolded, stripped down. And there is a lot of this evidence, guys. Now, to finish in general, with just kind of generally pointing out where this is going in regard to the different countries' involvement and, and going, I've been pointing out NATO in general, or Turkey specifically. Erdogan, has now, this, this was as of yesterday, sent, he says, send a clear message regarding the Palestinian situation. If the, if the countries of the region are ready to cooperate together, then we, as Turkey, are also ready to participate. It says, we believe that Israel, which seems to have completely lost its mind and is behaving like an organization, I believe that probably translation meant like a terrorist, must be stopped as soon as possible. A new security mechanism must be created with the cooperation of existing forces in the region. If such a step is taken, we as Turkey are ready to make our contribution. The Israeli administration, relying on the unconditional support of Europe and America, has been committing crimes against humanity in front of the whole world for exactly 25 days. The international press is also silent in seeking coverage for Israel. The total volume of humanitarian aid in our country reaches 213 tons. This not that is being refused, not allowed in. The point is, guys, everybody sees this around the world. We've already been showing you how people are the, in, at the United Nations. He gets up to speak and people walk out it, at, at it, it, one of these Harvard speeches before this. He talks about settlements and everybody holds up signs calling it illegal. This has shifted. And now this, this is just insulting to me, showing you that their classic allies are still clearly there, despite the narratives of acting like we care about civilians. Saudi Arabia has given the green light for the deployment of U.S. air defense systems in the country to apparently protect Israel from attacks coming out of Yemen. And this, all this is going to do is revitalize the starvation, occupation, genocidal blockade on Yemen by Saudi Arabia. The sides discuss the situation in the Middle East, add additional air defense systems we deployed in the kingdom in Saudi Arabia as missiles launched from Yemen toward Israel fly over the territory. Which, of course, I just want to remind everybody that this is who they really are. This was written by Whitney all the way back in 2018. Mohammed bin Salman, and this guy, this is quoted that you can read directly from corporate media. He, he wants Yemenis to shiver for generations when they hear the word Saudi Arabia and then goes on to vow to continue targeting children. So if you can't understand why the U.S. doesn't care now, you, you've just never been paying attention. This is the seemingly sought-after ally of the U.S. government, the kind of people that will continue targeting children, just like we're seeing today. And also, let's also not forget that Yemen, the, the Saudi Arabia, the UAE, the U.S. government were using cluster bombs and white phosphorus on Yemen, as the U.N. chief discusses here. Same stuff, guys. These are the same people doing the same things. 
It's all just narrative and lies. Now, Yemen, now Salomon uh, Ahmed frames this as Yemen declaring war. It's more specifically the Houthi rebels, but they're the elected representative of the actual Yemeni people. As many predicted, I wrote, should Israel continue with this genocide, it will draw in other countries. Israel seems determined to carry out this agenda at all costs. And now bringing in the other parts, we see what's happened with the ground forces, and it seems this is being driven forward. All they're saying here is the Republic of Yemen is the first country to officially announce its entry into the Battle of the Flood of Al-Aqsa. Now, it's Houthis. As it says here, it's just it's the Houthi rebels. But that is what I argue is the only representative of the Yemeni people. And lastly, Bolivia has also officially cut ties with Israel. Well, it's not that surprising. But as Orwell has shared with me as well, we have multiple entities that have now revoked the the UN and basically their ambassadors from Israel, the UN overlaps. The point being that everybody seems to be cutting ties with Israel, removing their ambassadors, not everybody, but a lot of countries that you wouldn't otherwise expect. We saw Jordan do this. We saw other US allies speak up. Turkey being the most interesting. But I think what's obvious, guys, the world sees this. And I just thank God that people can at least see enough to be able to give some kind of pressure because this does not seem to be stopping in any way, shape, or form. But it's so very important that we put effort here, that we get people to see this, because this is, I mean, I'll be quite honest, something that that has weighed on me. Something that has stuck with me here, guys, that that we were watching one of the worst things I think I've ever had to experience in my, and not experience, but observe in my entire life. In my entire time doing this, and we've watched, we've looked at some grotesque things, some really bad things. And what we're, it's not just the fact that children and people are being targeted and, and murdered in front of their families or with their families. It's because of the way that they're framing it as something good. I've always said that. We are watching the worst of the worst right now. And we need to do something about it. Not just stop it, but make sure the world recognizes what this is, where it came from, and Make sure this doesn't happen again or do our best to stop it. That's why I'm so focused on this right now because it already has changed the world. But it's not that hard for them to redirect and just wrap people back in a different way. Because this, going forward, they people will not regard Israel the same way after this. And it's good because they're not what people have claimed they are. And I think everybody, including Israeli Jews or Palestinian, everybody can see that illusion. And it, all it's revealed is the people that are still towing the line, that they're in this for re- extremist reasons, ze- zealotry, or because they're being driven to it for some other end. I just don't know how anybody with a heart and a soul can pretend like this makes sense. But it's always possible that I'm wrong. All I hope for is that people take the time to look at this stuff, not just the narrative or one side, but the full picture and stand back and reflect on its totality and then ask yourself if you think this makes sense. I just don't see how that's possible. But we will continue to fight. We will continue to break this down as best we can and challenge narratives in every possible way. We have another Pirate Stream uh, episode coming up, I think this Sunday, if I remember correctly. We have more more of a lot of different things coming your way. Bringing new people on, new writers, new content, new work. If you'd like to support this platform and continue what we're doing here, you can support us, as I always point out, in a lot of different ways on our Substack. You can sign up for that in general. We just put a new post out today. You can sign up for our different donation platforms on the website. As I've said before, a dollar a month. 
sign up for a dollar a month on a recurring on a recurring setting and never think about it again. Yeah, I mean that again. I keep talking. We, we've been growing a lot. Get a, a thousand more people, a hundred more people to do it. Like just every that that amount makes every difference in the world to keep growing, to keep building, to keep fighting, to keep pushing more. That's what we want to do. So if you believe in us, like we believe in you, let us know. Share the work. Support us on the different platforms like Cash App, Subscribe Star, whatever else, so we can keep fighting for this. And as I've said before, I'm going to do that anyway, but it would be sure as hell nice to get it to a place to where we wouldn't have to worry about the kind of censorship we're dealing with right now. Things dropping out and censored. and literally, I'd love to get to a point to where we could have our own infrastructure, you know, but we're going to keep pushing. So hopefully you last that out with us. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.